Hello and welcome to episode 38 of the Cadaver Lab Podcast. I am Mike. And I am Sam. And today we are going to be getting back to, you know, where, where we've done before. We're going to go over Friday the 13th, part 4, 5, and 6. I got a little secret for you. What? What you can do, if you haven't listened to these yet, is you can get all of our Friday the 13th episodes and listen to them in order, one after the other. That is shocking and brilliant at the same time. That way, it doesn't seem like we've spent three or four weeks or episodes doing something other something else you can listen to nine hours of reviews of friday the 13th it'll be sweet that would be awesome you know what the you know what the funny thing is is i was thinking about it i was thinking you know maybe we ought to get a you know some kind of a news section or you know something like that and i go well number one that's, that's a hell of a lot of work you know <laughs> number two um i think our shows are pretty timeless and uh, when I say that, I mean, you know, they're not, <laughs> yeah, that sounds a lot better than they actually, uh, <laughs> all I'm saying is that, uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to get bored, hopefully. If you, if you get bored of the show, that's, you know, that's one thing, but at least, uh, you know, we're not going to tell you outdated news, you know, there, well, there, you know, the thing is there are, there are other shows that do that so much better than I think we would. So, well, and Let's give that we, we make references every once in a while, like when Michael Jackson died. And like, what's the dude? He's dead. <laughs> wow. Yeah. See, and then John Hughes just died. Oh my gosh. Who gives a shit? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> Th- you know what? This is something that I want to bring up. All right. Uh, the douches. Yeah. Well, minus Sam and a couple of other guys, got on Skype last night to talk about uh, something we're planning on in the fall, and uh, the subject of John Hughes came up. Well, we're on Skype. You know, we're talking. I'm with Vaughn and James from the Dried Blood Podcast, Stephen. From JFMP and uh, Dave from Cheap and Dirty. And uh, we're all just sitting there talking about John Hughes. And all of a sudden, apparently, I dropped the biggest bomb in the world. I said, I hate The Breakfast Club. <laughs> I hate that movie. Really? I, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, okay. We talked about it uh, a little bit on there. You know, I, I cannot stand it. In fact, thinking about it right now, and what was that guy who played Johnny B. Good and was also in Weird Science? Uh, I don't. I don't remember what his name is. I know who you're talking about. Anyways, oh, Michael Anthony Hall. Matt, Michael Anthony Hall. Is that who it is? Yeah. When uh, yeah, when he starts crying, oh, I want to kill him. I want. I. It makes me so mad about what a big pussy this kid is. Yeah. And I don't. I don't know. And we were talking about this on the call about how freaking high school was not that dramatic to me. I know. Uh, you know. I was going to make that comment last week talking about Dead Girl. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. There's all these high school movies that just have this angst. And and I don't remember that being that bad. And I don't I don't remember I remember seeing maybe one or two people that may have been experiencing high school with that much anger. Yeah, but, but not enough to make tons of movies about it. No, no freaking you know what everybody on the douche cast or on the call was like, "Man, you live a sheltered life." And I said, "You know what? That's fine." But uh basically kiss my ass. <laughs> but anyway, I I wanted to mention that because uh right after we started recording Vaughn start uh or I'm sorry after we started on the call Vaughn started re- or on that subject once we started on that subject Vaughn started to record the call and uh he recorded it uh, and he took a little snippet out of it and then uh, he actually posted it on uh, his uh, site motion picture massacre so so you can go ahead and uh, nice. see all or at least hear all the the funny parts at least they, he only put that part up because uh typically how a douche uh, preparation meeting goes is um, some bullshitting, some talking shit, and then uh, like two minutes of business, and then just like be- more BSing. It's it's like a bunch of high school girls that just get together and talk 
about everything that's going on. The problem, the problem is, is our training bras <laughs> don't look very good with our big hairy chest. <laughs> nice. So, and that, that's the only difference. Nice. But, uh, yeah, so I, I don't want to go into it because go to, go to there. Vaughn put it up. It's, I, th- I think it's pretty funny. So you might want to go check that out. Uh, anyhow, one other thing. The, um, I mean, just before I forget, there's one bit of news. You know how we were going to put up that second uh, feed and we're going to start moving people over? Well, we're still doing that, and I've put it all together. However, iTunes has not approved uh, it yet, so we're still waiting on that. But okay. uh, just so you know, uh, if you're not on iTunes, you can go to cadaverlab.com. Uh, you can subscribe there, or you know, uh, we'll, we'll definitely announce when... Um, when iTunes pick, iTunes picks it up, and like I said, we still have till October, so it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's that's the only thing I, as far as news goes, that I wanted to mention. Timeless. Oh damn it! <laughs> there goes my whole there goes my whole theory. That is not timeless. I'm. You know what? After October, I'm going to come back and edit this part out. All right. No. Why not? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, okay. So, uh, Sam, you you have anything to talk about today? I do. Thanks for the thanks oh, for the nice introduction, awesome. dude. I appreciate that. So, you know, I've got to give some major, major credit to our friend Ferguson up in Logan because this guy has come across. He's now two for two on books that just dominate. The first one was The Strain, and I reviewed that a few weeks or a few episodes back. And Ferguson sent down a copy of Level 26, which doesn't get released to the general public until September 8th. Now We are special. Yeah, well, I, I, Ferguson's special. Cause, all right, we're special, too. That's cool. Huh. <laughs> well, we're, we're special in a different I don't know, way that Ferguson is. I don't know how he's getting these, but you know, I, I trust his judgment on these types of things. This book was excellent, and I'll go into a little bit of the reason why. I did a little review for it. And so, <clears throat> just to kind of go over that. Wait, wait, wait. Where's your review of it? It's on theexaminer.com. Go there. Sam gets a penny. That's right. I get a penny for every hit that everybody gets. So that's great. And that goes right into pimping the cadaver lab. But anyway, so this book called Level 26 uh, was created by the creator of the hit show CSI. His name's Anthony E. Zwicker. I, I don't know how to say his you last name. You look at me as if I as if I. I thought you were no. a CSI junkie, dude. I, I I'm an SVU junkie. Oh, oh, that's right. Um, it's Z-U-I-K-E-R. So he created this novel about a notorious monster who tortures and kills for fun. And then he decides to make a personal and come after a former agent who came close to catching him some years earlier. I mean, does that sound original at all? Yeah, no. No, it doesn't. That's like the, that's like the same story you hear all the time. But he delivers a unique twist on it, um, and, and he, he calls this a digi-novel. And, and what he considers a digi-novel is... <clears throat> Like every 20 pages into this book, you can go online and watch like a three-minute, they call it a, a like a vendor, bri- not a vendor bridge, not a vendor bridge, that's <laughs> stupid. It's a, uh, it's a movie, it's a chapter bridge or something like that. Anyway, so what you do, it's like a three-minute movie with actors that I recognize from other TV shows that are in this to kind of help bridge some of the gap and, and make it exciting. There's other surprises along the way, so not just this this bridge, but... Um, there's some other things that happen. So so you read the book and you go online to a special website, put in put in your password, and then you're able to watch these movies. But the story starts out with a chase of this evil monster named Squeagle, and you find out why he's named that. Yeah, you find out why, why he's named that. But, yeah, I thought the same thing. Um, <clears throat> but he's being pursued by this agent uh, who ends up being Steve Dark. 
and Steve Dark has had to let himself become the monster in everything but name in order to catch this this guy. But after after the encounter, the story jumps ahead two years with international governments offering millions of dollars in luxury retirement to any agent willing to catch Squeagle. So there's no takers, but Special Agent Riggins is tasked by the Secretary of Defense to lure Steve Dark, the only agent to get close enough to see Squeagle, out of retirement to chase the dastardly level 26 monster and eliminate him. The FBI has a ranking system for torturers murders that only goes to level 25, which includes horrible murders that the public is safe from hearing about because of how heinous our crimes are, but Squeagle is the only member of level 26. So then the book turns to the age-old melodrama of a tormented hero trying to decide to serve the greater good in a society that has scorned him or just stay out of it and hope that the problem goes away. But eventually Steve is drawn into the conflict and engages in full force. The story bounces back and forth between the good guys and the bad guys and provides a unique look into the story. You know who the murderer is and you know who the good guys are at varying levels and varying degrees. So you're just waiting for their paths to intersect. You know, the best part of this book is the absolute evil character that Zwicker has created. So often in stories, the author holds back on the bad guy for some reason, creating a false sense of safety for the reader. You know, a lack of coarse language or maybe a missed evil opportunity or an, an act that is not as evil as it could be. And these are all areas that crime novelists fall short in when trying to create a truly evil character. But Squeagle is truly terrifying because he definitely takes advantage of all the evil that he can and he doesn't hold back. There's no taboos, none of it. <clears throat> and his creepiness is even actually uh, accented by the short movie clips. They're a little obnoxious, a little bit over the top. I, they got like a contortionist to play this guy because he's in a uh, a uh, what do you call it? a latex suit with mm. a zipper for a mouth. But anyways. <laughs> So, but what didn't work for this book was requiring the reader to be by a computer at all times to be able to access the video bridges. They come about every 20 pages, like I said. So taking it on a trip or, or going to bed reading the book is out of the question because you have to be by a computer. Yeah, now, unless you're a really slow reader. Well, yeah. But, I mean, I was getting up like every 10 minutes. Really? I finished the book in two days. I mean, it was a, it was a, cool. it was a good read. Um, <clears throat> so, let's see here. Um. Okay, so CSI was a big hit, and Zwicker's added another impressive feather to his cap. The book flows well. Like I said, I finished it in two days. The reader should be aware that there is very coarse language, sex, violence, torture, and animal cruelty. The video bridges are PG to PG-13, including a fairly graphic sex scene uh, with a pregnant lady. So, Only PG-13? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. There wasn't. Weird. I think if you really looked hard, you're you not get a it. member of the MPAA. So I know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. <laughs> I think if you look really close, you can see pregnant mammaries. But I'm not. I'm not into that. Look away. I definitely didn't see any lactation. So I'm pretty sure we're safe there. <laughs> but anyway, so anybody who's not or is easily offended shouldn't read the book. Anybody who's easily offended is probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's for sure. So, anyways, it's coming out on September 8th, uh, September 8th, and I highly recommend this book. Like I said, quick read. I'm going to read just a small uh, section that was fairly disturbing. Uh-oh. <laughs> and so you can decide what you think. All right. Rob's brain reloaded. The smell hit him first, a foul toilet smell. Then the cold concrete pressed to his cheek, which didn't make sense. Wasn't he in some dude's pinto just now? What the hell? And then he realized he was naked and somebody had bound his wrists and ankles with plastic ties and his skin went dead cold, quickly followed by an explosion of ice in the pit of his stomach. God, did it smell in here. 
wherever he was. He wished like crazy that he could go back in time and tell Chris and Tom, no, I don't care if you guys think I'm a pussy. We just shouldn't get in the car with the friggin' freak. We shouldn't even be here pimping for fucking beers. We should be home preparing for college, just like our parents keep trying to drill into our stupid little skulls. The room was dark, but Rob could hear moaning next to him. Sounded like Chris waking up. If Rob hadn't been so terrified, he would have started cursing him out and telling him what a moron he was. Then all at once, the room was full of harsh light. The freak in the face mask was standing next to the floor lamp, no hoodie or jeans now. The same material that Rob thought was a mask was now revealed to be a suit, covering his entire body. Well, almost his entire body. The thing that protruded from a zippered hole in the front of the suit was uncovered. Rob hadn't seen many other guys naked. He was only 17. Your, cur- your curiosity gets the best of you, and you take too many glances in the gym shower room. You're liable to get your face smashed in. But even to Rob's untrained eye, this guy seemed unnaturally large. Disproportionate on any human being, let alone this underfed-looking guy. The freak padded toward them now, something in each hand, cock bouncing slightly as he walked. Rob craned his neck around for a better view. Oh shit, what if it was a gun? The man unzipped his mouth as he placed the objects on the floor in front of them. A broom, a baseball bat. Then he stood up again and began stroking himself, massaging it into full tumescence. What are you going to do to us, Rob asked, immediately sorry the moment the words left his mouth. I think you know what I'm going to do to you, the freak said. But I want want to give you some options. The options are me this broom handle, or this baseball bat. You three decide by who or by what, or shall I decide for you? Rob glanced down. The guy's dick, it turned out, was wrapped in the white plastic after all. Wrapped so tight you could see the veins. Holy shit. What the hell was going on? And what was he talking about options? By who and by what? Oh, God, get us out of here. Someone fucking hear us and get us out of here. What are you doing, man? Chris screamed. We don't. We didn't do anything to you. I'm 10 inches of full erection. The broom handle is 36 inches long and 2 inches wide. The wooden bat is only 30 inches long, but the width is 6 inches around. But don't worry, I do have certain tools should you require further assistance. Tools? Who was this guy? If you can't decide, Squeagle said, chiding them, I will decide for you. Rob hated himself for the choice he blurted out, but he knew he had to choose first before the others beat him to it. Rob tried to tune out everything that followed. The howled complaints from Chris and Tom, who quickly realized what he'd done to them. The feel of the skinny freak's cold-gloved hands on his hips. The gross breath over his shoulder. The grunting noises. After a while, he began to imagine that his body had split all the way up the middle of his throbbing, racking chest. After more endless agony, it all stopped. Rob heard the sound of the man rubbing his palms together. Just getting you warmed up, the freak said. Now let's really have some fun. Then it resumed and seemed to last forever. Squeagle pushed the first boy down to the ground, Rob, and watched him go into shock. It was an education he'd never forget, and Squeagle was pleased with himself for being able to provide it. Now for you two, who wants what? You had to choose that one? Well, it was particularly disturbing. <laughs> no kidding. <clears throat> so anyways, they, uh, it's, it's, like I said, that's, that's pretty tame. This guy, he's just really evil. That was tame? Well, it was fairly tame. I mean, this, it doesn't hold back, which is what I like, because so many times when I'm reading a book... I was like, that's not a bad guy. He definitely could have. He could have done something really bad there, and he didn't do it. <clears throat> this guy wow, doesn't go back. That's wild. I didn't like hearing that. It's a great book, though. Well, no, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely read it now. Yeah. If, if I can pry it out of your hands. Well, here it is right here. Okay. That was easier than I thought. I'm uh, 10 <laughs> inches fully erect, so just watch out. <laughs> Damn it. You know what? Here we are trying to be a high-class uh, show and you know get rid of all the the little jokes people say behind our backs. Nope, there, there it goes. Well, and the funny thing is, we we must tell the jokes so much that we actually had somebody draw pictures. I put it up on the site. Oh, jeez, dude. <laughs> here's what I did: go to cadaverlab.com and uh, probably want to search for artist 
artist or something like that. I can't remember what I put in the title, but I put a censored one on the front page. And uh, basically, I said, well, if you want to see the whole thing, you have to get inside. It was drawn by uh, Stace from uh, Creepy Kitch. (laughs) Freaking unbelievable. Disturbing. It was so damn funny. But... uh, uh, but the thing is, if you want to see the uncensored version, it's on the forums and you have to sign up. I just can't. I was offended that I had a bag on my head. I was offended. Uh, she doesn't know what you look like. I'm, I'm a brown bagger? Seriously. <laughs> yes. That well, dude, sense. you were ripped, though. You were oh, totally I did see that. Ripped. My microphone was longer than yours, too. No, listen. Uh, <laughs> the microphone's the part that I... <laughs> that, that I you uh, censored? That I censored. It's just a microphone. Right. Uh, it took me like... Ten minutes of looking at it because I looked at it for ten minutes before I read that little caption and said it's a microphone. I promise. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was thinking it was units. Yeah, so there you go. Anyway, anyway, plus I figure maybe we can trick some people into signing up for the forums or something. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, hey, thanks for that. that. Was cool. All right, good. Very good. Uh, let's see. Do you want to just get into some voicemails? Let's, let's do go. voicemails. Cool. I feel like I should be ordering a pizza from you guys. Seriously. This is Chase. In case you haven't figured it out, I have returned from the convergence since I meant to call you, but we were so busy terrorizing children and bathing in the blood of the innocent that we never quite got around to it. Uh, I have a few things of note. I watched Wreck, the Spanish original version of the remake Quarantine, and I may never sleep again. I watched uh, some truly terrible horror movie trailers, and I also made Sins watch A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and Ghoulies 4. She may never speak to me again. It was glorious. And I also, I just want to give you guys a little public service announcement, referring, of course, to genitalia, because I know you expect that from me. I would like to talk about the fact that um, men who shave their scrotums, and indeed all of their genitalia in porn, you need to stop. Okay, seriously. Because it looks like an elephant trunk with a fucking bag of marbles underneath it. I feel like I should go up to it and start punching on it, because it looks like a goddamn old-fashioned punching bag. Seriously. Stop doing it. If you want me to love your junk, then make your junk look fucking attractive. And um, showing it in all of its denuded glory is not the way to do it. Just throwing it out there for you guys. Sins will probably be calling in to scar you later. Love you. Bye. Wow. Well, I'm glad I can braid the hair off my 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 walnut. You know what? You know what? Here's what I'm gonna guess. Okay. By the way, that was one of the most chilling descriptions of it that I have ever heard. <laughs> An elephant trunk with a marble bag? <laughs> but, but listen, so um I, I don't I mean it's hard it's hard to come up with something to say that, that it's just like without like totally feeling embarrassed and stupid, but she did a great job of uh, making us blush again. Well, Which is not really only, weird. Not We're only... listening to that in a room by ourselves. And... Well, and I just, I'm like, man, thanks for the, I really appreciate the props, but I think of myself more like a twig with a couple of grapes. <laughs> nice. Much better. Yeah. Much better. <laughs> great. Thank you for that. By the way, I just just so you know, the braids may be off. I think there's a happy medium. Never mind. Maybe like a scrotee. Never mind. Yeah, that was that was the stace that uh, drew the the picture that we were just talking about. <laughs> you guys have to if, honestly; these are two of the funniest women that I have ever read on their blog, creepykids.blogspot.com. Um, except for they really they they kind of you know how we were we talked about Nightmare uh, on Sheet Part Two that if yeah. you look into yeah, it, then yeah. they were like, no, whoever says that's dumb. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I read it on the blog. I, it, the, the problem is I read it on my phone a lot, and you can't uh, 
comment on it from your from my phone. Oh. So I can't. So, but I was about to waste them, and then I forgot till she just brought that up. Nice. But uh, hey, listen, you know what? Everyone has their opinion. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, what are you gonna do? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but, I'm still <laughs> thinking about the elephant trunk. <laughs> Damn it. Hi guys, this is Julie from 19 Nocturne Boulevard. <coughs> Sorry, Sam. My voice is a little off this week. I still hope you can pitch a tent and flick your beanbag before you go to sleep tonight. <laughs> Sorry I haven't called 12 times this week. It's just so hard. And I don't mean Sam's trouser snake after that memory count of 50 from Dead Girl. Mmm. <laughs> I have a couple of things to say. Pheromones, eh? Mmm. <laughs> One note on laid to rest. I don't know if I totally agree with you on that, though. Mmm. <laughs> When that chromehead guy, I really don't know his name, but when his face is being eaten with acid and he turns to Big Teddy Can Act and says in his best John Wayne voice, So it's you and me, Pilgrim. Mm. <laughs> uh, that's it, bye. You know, I thought Julie had gone away. I'm so glad she's still calling. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Julia. Appreciate that. Sexy bitches are my favorite kind of bitches. Sexy bitches are my favorite kind of bitches. Sexy bitches are my favorite kind of bitches. Yay! (laughs) Son, do you even know what a bitch is? Sam, Mike, this is Uno Shadow. I uh, I heard about your show from Dr. Puss at the Library of Living Dead and from uh, the Don't Look in the Podcast folks. And um, I've been listening to it up here at work. Um, Started uh, off a couple back, basically, and just listened from, I don't know, I think like Fulci Lives On. You know, and uh, just heard your your one year show. Congratulations on that. That was fucking cool. I, I gotta, you know, here's the thing. There, you got people reviewing and saying that this dead girl is a six How can they even say that when the movie hasn't even fucking come out yet? You know, like okay, yeah, they got to see the festival screenings of it or whatever. But who gives a fuck? They always take those fucking things and cut them and change shit. You know, and all this whatnot before it actually comes out. Movie isn't even out yet, so fuck all those fucking guys. You know. Uh, and it sounds like a good movie. I'm going to get it, you know, because I want to see it. This fucking sounds gruesome. I'm, you know, I'm fucking in. So, anyway, you know, fuck those dudes. And, you know, like, congratulations on the fucking show, dude. I'm really entertained. It's very fucking cool. Um, the one thing that I wish you had mentioned about in um, your Bruce Campbell show was in I Am Bruce, or My Name is Bruce, sorry. Um, that, that there was a scene where he takes the fucking MILF, the mom, and he's dancing with her, and it's just like one of the most embarrassing, 
you know, oh, God, you know, I couldn't even, just so fucking embarrassing, you know, because he just loves that shit. It would be so cheesy and so embarrassing. Um, and that was the one in that movie. Uh, anyway, fucking love the show, guys. And, oh, fuck, sorry, I fucking cussed. Bye. You know what, that's a great point about Dead Girl. Any time that the the movie cover has lips turned sideways to make it look like a veg, <laughs> you have to watch that damn movie. No, listen, you know what, and about Dead Girl, that is not, I mean, sure, I mean, everybody's going to have a different opinion. I don't expect everybody to have a, the same opinion as me, uh, which we'll probably uh, come to grips with even in this episode. It sounds like me and Sam have a big disagreement. <laughs> wow. Did you hear that? It was ten times worse with the face. <laughs> All right. But uh, it, it's, it, and I'm going to talk about this. We have another voicemail that, uh, that talks a little bit about how I, because uh, I kind of went off. I was a little pissed off about some of those reviewers. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, as far as uh, my name is Bruce goes, <laughs> I'm just braiding my pubes. Oh, sick. I was like, did he just rip your pants? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Oh, my name is Oh, Bruce. yeah. I was gonna, you know what? There are so many awesome parts. That, I mean, there there are subtle little things that, you know, you may, oh, that you may or may not get. There were... You know, you know, big scenes like that. That that's just a great movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you could either watch it or listen to our dumbasses talk about it and get everything. We it's, don't. It's definitely got a rewatch quality. Oh, you know what? And I've watched it since we did that show. Yeah. How, how many ago was that? Like uh, three? I think three. Yeah. Well, because we did. Uh, eh, who cares? We're timeless, so let's, let's just go <laughs> on. Cadaver Lab. This is uh, Uno Shot. I wanted to call because you guys are doing uh, for the thirteenth tonight. Uh, four, five, six, with the illustrious and often an asshole, uh, Corey Feldman. And so last year, November, I went to the Texas Horror Fest or Texas Fear Fest or some fucking shit. Uh, Texas Fear Fest. And um, he had a booth right next to my friend's booth. She's an author, a zombie author. And uh, so we're standing there talking and everything, and he is just, you know, signing all kinds of stuff and everything. But here's the deal. This guy had, not only did he have his wife with him, but he had, like, handlers and stuff. So whenever he was away from his table, he wouldn't shake anybody's hand. He wouldn't talk to anybody. Like, basically, if you wanted to say hi to him or have him acknowledge you at all, you had to, you know, pay him money. And, okay, fine, you know, that's cool. But here's the thing. You know, Danny Trejo, um, he was in the opposite corner of the hall, and he was awesome. He was amazing, like, you know. Uh, he would be just walking through, he'd pick up people's kids, he'd take pictures, he was just, you know, shaking everybody's hand, didn't care a lick, you know, he was just the nicest guy ever. And, you know, Corey Feldman, kind of a cock. Um, his line was block, like, basically he was, you know, making people be in a line in a certain way, um, to where it was right in front of everybody else's booth, which, okay, so there's a big line in front of your booth, but now, you know, unless the people in line are interested in what's the booth, you can't get to the booth. So it was just, you know, it was just a dick move, and he was just a total cock, and, you know, fuck that dick. Anyway, later, guys. Love the show. Yeah, but can you expect anything else from that guy? I mean, you can tell that he does not embrace that. He is just... Did you watch on the the Corys when he was singing to his wife right by her face? Wasn't he, like, grabbing her face and, like, yelling like, at her? No, 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 no. Yeah, it was I awesome. I do not like... This is like the fourth time tonight that I've looked over and your face has made me feel uncomfortable. I do not like it. Dude, that hurts my Didn't he like, feelings. Yeah, wasn't he just like yelling in her yeah, face? Yeah, yeah. 
I don't watch that show ever, but I've I've actually seen that one. Sorry. The funny thing is, if people listen to the first episode, they think that's all you listen. Did to. we talk about you that did in the first episode? Yeah, because we did the Lost Boys, and you kept talking about the Corys. Oh, that's right. no way. All right, I watched a season or two or three. Oh, so you know, so Corey Feldman is a dick, you know, which is not a big deal because I'm not the biggest fan of him, you know, whatever. But um, Danny Trejo being really cool, you know, that's that's actually huge. But you know, when I went to Horror Hound and Derek Mears was so damn cool, you know, that made me want to be like his fan for life. I mean, he was a cool guy, you know, and, and I'm sure that you you feel the same way about Danny Trejo. But here's the deal. Now, imagine, if you will, another Corey who was exactly the opposite. Maybe not quite as friendly, and uh, basically walk around being annoying, and uh, his name was Corey Haim, which is worse. Because <laughs> that's how he was in a horror hound. I'll tell you what, he walked around, it's so funny, because he'd walk around, I swear, somebody was talking shit about him somewhere, and he heard it walking through, walking through the crowd. I don't know what would be worse, having Corey Feldman, a guy who I'm like, nah, or being a dick, or Corey Haim walking around, catching you talking shit about him. What was it? I can't remember what it was, but I was, I don't remember. He looked me right in the eye after I said something, I made a joke of it, but uh, he's a big bus. So That's the, and, that, and that rakes right up there as almost as big of a travesty as the Frank Cox incident. <laughs> wow. Wow, way to bring up the FCI. You're, yep, that was that, brutal. That was, I'm, st- I'm still getting shit for that, by you the way. You should. Yeah, that I, was... Talk Horrible. about going back, going back to uh, to older episodes to uh, edit stuff out. <laughs> Maybe. What? What? Why does your drink keep popping? Anyway, it's my get... elephant trunk with marbles. It's it. <laughs> Greetings, Sam and Mike. This is Otter calling you from the land of McPierce down here in tropical North Carolina. I don't think this place is anything special. The neighbors either ask you if you. Y'all like racing or what church you go to? But anyways, I'll just congrats on your one year. It seems like just yesterday I was searching for podcasts where they were discussing the Evil Dead, and I found you guys, and that was only your second episode. And here we are. But uh, look forward to uh, the next episode regarding the uh, next Friday the 13th movies. Uh, you know, starting to get into the zombie Jason stuff. And... uh also, I wanted to tell you guys, on the ride down here from Michigan, we go through West Virginia and Virginia, and uh, I started to think, and this isn't an insult to him, but I, I just picture Stephen living up on top of one of those mountains in a single-wide trailer with a big ham radio antenna going off the roof of it, and him spouting his random thoughts and wisdom and all that, possibly has a still out back or a wacky tobacco field somewhere nearby, I don't know. But that's just a thought. But, uh, you know, i got to agree with you guys when it comes to the, or at least Sam, I guess, when it comes to these newer vampire things. I like vampire movies, but I really think that the the Twilight whole little thing here, fad, has really kind of pussified vampires. Like, I haven't even watched the show True Blood yet because, you know, well, I watched a few episodes in the first season, but I just think it's, just, it's too pussified, man. I want 30 days of night vampires. That's what I want, just ruthless killing machines and uh, things like that. And You guys were talking with, like, putting wreck if they did it, like, in the art house theaters. Um, I know that 
a place that was in Michigan, Royal Oak, called the Main Art Theater, they used to do that. They'd have like maybe like a 7 o'clock and then a 9 o'clock screening of some like independent foreign language subtitled. And it could be any genre. There were, you know, comedies, romance, horror movies, because um, they've showed some of the Japanese horror movies that, you know, were being Americanized that were out in the main theaters. They'd show you the the original Japanese version on the big screen. We'd go see those because I always think the Japanese version is better before they Americanize it. Um, but other than that, that's uh, pretty much about it. And You know, Sam, you talking about making uh, crazy pipe bombs there as a teenager. None of us ever did those types of things. You know, we never were home run hitters in mailbox baseball or actually putting the pipe bombs inside the pumpkins and putting them in people's front yards and also melting down mailboxes with homemade napalm. Wasn't much to do out in the sticks where I grew up at. So, well, anyways, guys, congrats and keep up the good work. Goodbye. You know what, Otter? We appreciate that voicemail and the congratulations because you started at episode two and you're still listening. Either you are freaking crazy or you're a kick-ass guy. Either I, way, either way. I think he's a kick-ass guy. And Otter's been calling in forever. You he know what? Has. He is a super fan. Yep. You know what? We don't have fans. We have listeners because, <laughs> I don't know, it just We're seems, cool it seems a little weird to Well, have and the fans. funny thing is, is Otter is right on when he's with his description of Steven. You, you said you imagine no, him that way? that's not true. No, that's exactly what he is. Oh, let, let's hear your argument. No, go ahead. I don't know what you were going to say. I was going to say Steven acts like that without a wacky tobacco field <laughs> or a steel. <laughs> That's just him. Oh, I see. But yeah. he does have the single wide up on the top of the mountain. Yes. Okay. He actually lives, remember in uh, in Wrong Turn, there was that, like, uh, uh, what do you call those guys? Like a ranger outpost in one of those high... Oh, yeah. He lives in one of those. Sweet. Yes. We need to go visit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> as, as Sam shakes his head, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's, let's talk about, let, let's revisit the vampire. Thing. Yes. Because um, Otter, Otter's a pretty stand-up guy. Oh, you know, I'm w- I'm with Otter on that. I agree. Now let me ask you something. I saw a movie. This well, I started a movie this last uh, maybe last week, I guess. Anyway, so I saw this movie called Bled. I think I either came out this year or last year, and it was the it was the biggest pile of crap. Oh, really? Movie that I have ever seen, and it was it wasn't it, it was more of a vampire in the vein of. Uh, maybe an Anne Rice type of thing. Well, not really. It was more of a love, like, like you know how you see those like romance novels with the, like those like those hot dudes oh, yeah. on the front. Did was, you just say hot dudes? <laughs> you just said hot dudes. Hot dudes on the front. What? What? They have hot dudes and they have some hot ladies, but you you they you got to realize the dudes always so big. Because but you just chose hot dudes as your filler in your sentence, man. You didn't say the hot chicks and the hot dudes. You just said hot dudes and went on like I wasn't going to notice. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. All wow. Right. Easy there. Okay. So oh, who just talked for like 20 minutes about a 10-incher? Listen, you almost fainted when you said hot dudes because all the blood rushed to your junk. <laughs> I saw I'm, it happen. I'm editing all no, of you're not. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, so it was it was that kind of film where it was it, it was blatantly... Um, a romance novel type of thing, and th- I mean, I like I said, I watched the first twenty minutes of uh, Twilight. I made it twenty minutes. This movie, I made it about seven. 
Oh, really? And turned it off. It was probably the biggest pile of crap wow. that I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, I think that there's just such a big outrage because of Twilight because of its huge following and, and, it, and it's it's just so popular. Well, let me let me tell you because I read the books. Get ready because the pussification of werewolves yeah? is coming. Sweet. I like neutered monsters. <sighs> anyway. It's so bad. I just hope that the, the true horror movie directors and the writers will just go around this these pile of shit and and continue on being the terror you know writing the terror that is those well, creatures well listen the, those um, creatures. twilight may may uh there may be like a backlash to twilight maybe twilight's the best thing that could ever have happened that's a great point because maybe there'll be a backlash and we'll be treated to all sorts of brutal uh, vampire and werewolf stories because people like us are you know are really maybe even pissed about yeah. about the you know the neutered monsters you right. know maybe we'll see some of that I don't know I you know it's not like I'm a film historian or anything like that but hopefully you know, so I hope you're let's right. hope that happens man hey guys it's Otter again uh, you don't even have to put this on the podcast but this is the story I wanted to tell you guys um, the guy from wherever it was Pittsburgh there brought up a thing about daytime strip clubs. When I was living in Michigan and working for Budweiser, I had an account on my route called the Flight Club. It's uh, down by Metro Airport in Detroit. The voted Michigan's number one gentleman's club was their big thing, they like to say. The owner, manager, they're both these greaseball guys that at some point, every girl that's worked there has had a special meeting with the boss. Not to mention that these girls always had to pay, but... Oh, the the daytime patrol that would come in there, because when I'd go in there to place a beer order or talk to them about specials or anything, I tried to get in there at about 11 a.m. when they'd come str- when he'd come strolling in, and then the girls wouldn't get there till 11:30, going on 12. Because I think it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they'd open at noon for a a lunch crowd. They had food there. Their kitchen was clean though. I'd seen it. It's not bad. I ate there. But these girls, even the daytime crew. You know, when they were all dolled up and they had, you know, the lights all dim and the music all playing, you know, the girls looked pretty rough. But before, when they would come walking in in their PJ pants and hoodie and no makeup on or anything, these are some rough-looking women. It's like they were the women that used to be the nighttime crew. And after uh, years of dancing and hanging from the pole and, hey, honey, for a few extra dollars, uh, you'll take care of me deal. These girls have seen some miles, and this place also had, like, convention rooms and stuff where they'd have these business conventions, and guys from, you know, big companies, the the auto companies, other, like, big Fortune 500, they'd have conference meetings there, and these guys, oh, yes, we're great outstanding citizens, this, that, and this. Man, these guys would get in those conference rooms, and they were like a bunch of 12-year-old boys that found their daddy's playboys around. They're just running around like, oh, my God, look at this, and... These girls would tell me that, oh, I could get a guy, you know, easily $500 just for a little uh, hand release, you know, and, like, the crazy shit these women would tell me. But, yeah, those daytime girls, ooh, when the lights are on and everything, they're a lot rougher than they look when the lights are off, and that's saying a lot during the daytime. All right, take care, guys. Bye. So I just wanted to back Otter up on that because <clears throat> you're right. There are they they put the roughest chicks, the ones that have been there forever, in the daytime. But you have to realize that there's like a two three hour window there between the day and the night cruise where nobody's dancing because they have to use labio away to freaking wash the poles in the stage. 
because they're so freaking diseased, nasty, and lips lips dragging on the ground as they're walking. Just you know disgusting. That's why that one guy died. He started hawking that stuff, and then, what was it? Billy May started hawking Labby away. <laughs> He, just, he started hanging out with a whole different crowd, dude. And now he's dead. That's right. Wow. That's but really... there's nothing worse than labia smears all oh over, all over what? the ground. Because they come walking on stage and they just drag on the ground, make it, make it most. And then you gotta mop that shit up. Oh my god. Come on! Oh, this, oh. this has got to be one of the top ten most offensive things that have ever come up on the Cadaver Lab podcast. Man, we and are Mike fighting. made me say it. I did not. I read it right off the cue card. <laughs> hey, Mike and Sam. It's Chris in uh, PA. I'm calling about your one-year episode, uh, specifically where you talked about Dead Girl. Um, I kind of sent a call out on Facebook not too long ago. I was... Uh, looking for some new stuff to watch, and and Sam recommended Dead Girl, which I'd kind of had my eye on, so uh, I procured a copy of it, if you will, and uh, watched it, and was actually, you know, pleasantly surprised to know that you guys were going to be talking about it. So um, the only really thing thing I want to say specifically about the the film is that um, it's just very rare that you find um, some you know, somewhat new ideas. I mean, we live in a postmodern era, so everything is somewhat derivative of something else, but um, especially as horror films go, I would say this is one of the most original concepts that uh, I've gotten to experience in quite a while, actually. Um, So I enjoyed it for that, you know, very disturbing, um, you know, gruesome to say the least, and that kind of piggybacks into my next thought because... uh, you know, Mike, when you were going through the, the different critiques and, and reviews of the film from, you know, mainstream media um, and the like, you know, you were pretty tough on them. And, and that kind of goes along with, you know, there are times when I try and figure out within myself why um, I'm so drawn to this um, genre, but more specifically the very brutalness of it, or I should say brutality of it. Um, I'm specifically drawn to... Um, like a subgenre that I would kind of classify as um, like the evil that men do. Uh, it's kind of more about um, real people doing monstrous things to other real people, and you know, it doesn't involve ghosts or the supernatural or or a killer that you know can't be um, killed that just keeps coming back to life. So um, you know, films like Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door and Inside and The Strangers and like Henry, a portrait of a serial killer. Um, movies like that really hit home with me. And although there was um, kind of an otherworldly element with Dead Girl, um, you know, being that she is undead, just the the study of the two boys and, and you know, obviously other people as well um, doing these evil things um, really drew me to it. And, you know, I'm married and my wife will on occasion watch a more tame, um, less... Uh, visceral, um, less gory, in-your-face horror film with me, and, you know, overall enjoy it somewhat from time to time. Um, but this kind of goes along with your mainstream critics, and and I'm just playing devil's advocate here because 
I feel like the horror community is such a, a deeply tight knit community. Um, and you do naturally feel defensive or offended when people outside that community uh, tend to just, you know, tear apart a film that you enjoy. Um, you know, it's okay if people within the genre, um, fans within the genre that, that may tell you, oh, I didn't really like that or whatnot, because, you know, you can respect them as someone that is exposed to the genre and actually takes the time to watch films. And then when you have a, a critic who, who really doesn't know too much about the genre or, or isn't as immersed in it as we are, um, it hurts you and you get offensive, at least I do, um, you get defensive because you kind of feel like, how can you say that about this when you don't have the experiences that we do? And how can you not look at it as social commentary or on a deeper level than just, you know, the, the rape of an undead being? Um, but as playing devil's advocate here, I just want to say that um, I understand why you were upset, Mike, but at the same time, I don't really feel like you can get that upset at these mainstream critics because you look across society as a whole and, you know, the horror fan, the exploitation fan, the, the Mondo fan, um, people that will just sit down like us and watch the most gruesome, unthinkable acts recreated or staged um, on film, um, we're, we're really such a minute group. And I think that like my wife and, and other friends who have no desire to watch this type of film, and can't see anything but what's being thrown in your face in terms of, you know, the visuals. Um, I just I feel like those reviews are done for the mainstream and are done for people that just naturally and intrinsically cannot relate or look deeper or find, um, you know, additional content in the subject matter. Um, and so I feel like it really shouldn't, upset or even affect us because um, those people's opinions uh, in general and naturally related to film, we don't share. So I feel like, um, you know, you can get upset saying, well, they're slamming this movie, turning people off to it, steering people away from, from it. But I honestly believe that they're not turning away or steering away people like us who are going to seek it out and watch it on our own and, as sick as it sounds, enjoy it or be interested in it. Um, who the, whom they're steering away are the people that honestly are going to be horribly offended, um, depressed, and appalled by the subject matter. So um, that's just kind of my, my take on it. You know, I, I feel like if we as a community really want to um, get the word out and also find out about these films um, ahead of time, we'll do our research and We'll take in all kinds of different positions and opinions, but ultimately the people in the horror genre, the fans of the horror genre, are the ones that are very rarely put off or turned away by a review. If a movie gets 30 horrible reviews from 30 different people, but I still want to see it, I'm going to go see it regardless and make my determination after the fact. Um, you know, my wife, if there's a, a movie, whether it's a romantic comedy or a drama, and it gets a couple bad reviews, and she reads two bad reviews, she's going to stay away from it. So um, I guess what I'm saying, Mike, is, you know, don't get too upset and too outraged by these mainstream critics because um, they're not reviewing movies for us. They're not reviewing movies for our community, and they really don't think, feel, 
or experience film uh, the same way that we do. Um, I'm proud to say that I'm part of uh, the horror community, and I'm proud to say that I look at things in a in a different light than than mainstream. And I'm happy to count the two of you as a uh, as members of that community as well. So that's really all I have to say. Just uh, you know, keep up the uh, the great work. I know you guys have been busy. Uh, you know, Mike with the douche cast and and everything that's going on. But I really you know really enjoy everything that you're doing and wish you all the best and we'll talk to you probably sooner than later. Take care. Bye. You know, that was an awesome voicemail. Thanks for calling that in. Chris and I are big buddies on Facebook. Um, you know, and there's not one thing in that voicemail that I disagree with at all. Not one thing. I think that was, I think that was, uh, intelligently thought out everything, you know, and he did a good job expressing his feelings. Um, however there, I think that, I don't think he's miss. I don't know if he missed my point exactly, but but let me let me just talk about that for a minute. Basically, what it was, what what really irked me about it was okay. So um, here, I just watched this this movie, this Dead Girl, and I loved it. You know, and I and you know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to do some research on this. I, you know, I didn't know anything about it before I watched it. Uh, I had heard things, but I hadn't researched it or anything like that. Basically, what what I did is I watched it, and then I started kind of saying, "Oh, who's this? What else has this guy been in?" You know, um, you know. And then I thought, "Well, what do the critics have to say about it?" And um, you know, I, I went to Ain't It Cool News, and they gave it a great review. And I and I went to you know some other horror centric sites that I, I can't remember exactly what they were uh, now, but and they gave them a, a fairly good review. But then I go to Rotten Tomatoes, and those guys just can't. Just, just killed it, you know, and it, it just, just like Chris was saying, this movie is not for everybody. I mean, we, my wife's the same way his wife is, you know. It's like uh, the, I told her the, the plot of Dead Girl, and she, she just looked at me like, you are one sick mother. <laughs> I, you know, I think what really pissed me off the most about it, and this is why I felt like I needed to pan it, or to, to really call these guys out. Is not necessarily because they their opinions differ, and I you know and I and I even said that I mentioned that I want to stick up for this movie, um, but I think my sticking up for it wasn't oh this guy doesn't know what he's talking about because his opinion's stupid. It was more like you know this guy's review wasn't thought out. It wasn't, it, you know, he didn't think critically at all. All he did was basically call it names and try to demean it. And if you, in my opinion, I mean, we, we talk to each other. We'll, like, in the douche cast, we'll call each other names. You know, that's all in good fun. But the thing is, if you are seriously calling people names and trying to demean them, that, to me, that is the bastion of the weak-minded. That's how I feel these guys were being. It's like, you know what? I don't care if some old guy doesn't like this movie, but you know what? If if you're a film critic, and I guess I don't I don't know if they should. It's their responsibility to you know understand you know some of the some of the surrounding maybe some of the history things like that you know and that and that's not really my point. But the bottom line is is if you're gonna sit here and pan it and demean it then i, I it, i'm not going to listen to it there was one guy that did that had it that i that i did mention that chris was talking about 
I don't know if he, he I mean he didn't mention him specifically, but is he called, one guy called it like a teen, you know, a teen slasher flick, you know, whatever. And you know what that guy I just think doesn't have a clue. <laughs> but in the, I guess the bottom line is is that when I'm gonna when I I'm not defending it to normal people because you're right, people aren't gonna want it. Is people aren't gonna want to watch this the same people who you know are gonna go watch everything that comes out to the me- uh, megaplex or whatever. The thing is, is it, I just have a hard time with people who. Are, are going to do nothing but but drag it down, and I just kind of wanted to reassure everybody else out there that are if because if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably uh, there's a better chance that you're in the type of demographic that's going to watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I assume. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you're, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go off too much on it. I did agree with basically everything he said. I just think that I just think that my point was just a little bit different. You know, and, and the part of the vo- of Chris's voicemail that uh, <clears throat> that I wanted to address. You know, you talked about I don't know what compulses me and what draws me to this type of genre, and I really divide it up into a couple of different types. Like when I'm watching Friday the Thirteenth, that's just entertainment. I mean, that's just that it's pretty, it's enjoyable, absolutely. It's kind of funny stuff like that. When I watch things like Dead Girl or Martyrs or Mum and Dad, those are in a different level for me. And I think that what it comes down to is I. Most of us are realists, uh-huh. and I acknowledge that when I'm watching that stuff on the screen, I can pretty much guess that that shit has gone on somewhere. Right. And so I watch it <laughs> not thinking, oh, my gosh, this is the most horrible thing I've ever seen, but kind of like what Chris was talking about, to see how evil man can be to someone else. Because I guarantee the POWs that are tortured oh, yeah. over in different countries, they go through much worse than what we see. It's just I'm just watching this, and I'm being real. I'm not putting my head in the sand thinking that this stuff doesn't really happen. It definitely happens, and, and so it's, it is interesting to me, and there is some sort of, uh, I don't know if I'd call it an entertainment value to movies like that, but those are the movies that, that really stick out of my mind that make me think and, and just and wonder about for days um, afterwards. So yeah, anyways, I thought You know, I'm going to take one thing I said back. You know that old guy yeah. that uh, because he didn't know the history of film, uh, of uh, teenage slashers, I gave him kind of a pass. I take it back. Here's why. Here's why, and I'm, now I'm getting all pissed off again. But here's the deal: he made a he made a claim that this was a teenage horror just for the teenagers. And you know what? If if you don't know enough to to be able to back up your claim or to be able to really put it into context, then you can freaking kiss my ass. <laughs> you know what? The other sad thing is, I think all those guys that gave her reviews like that probably went and watched the movie with their wives, and their wives are like, "You better damn well not talk well, good and, about that." And movie. the thing is, is I'll tell you what that I mean, and I tell my wife this, so I mean, this is no big secret. But the thing is, is I mean, when for instance, what was it uh, in part five when we were watching Friday the Thirteenth Part Five? Mm-hmm. I started watching it, and then all of a sudden, my wife was it part five, maybe part four. Um, Nope, it was part five. But anyways, she walked in right when the the redhead, you know, took off her top. Oh, it? yeah. And, you know, in bed? And, yeah. And now the thing is, is when she walked in, I was like, oh, my gosh, dang it. <laughs> sucks. I'm getting busted here. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe they just had a bad experience or whatever. But listen, you know what? I, if you're going to do a job, do it well. Don't choose the easy way out. I mean, Just be honest. It, it, just say it, it was too dark for me. And it was just over the top as far as you know the sex, the sexual part of it, and overtones was just too much for me. It was it was just blatant. I mean, just say the be honest about it instead of just calling it names. Yeah, but listen to this too. It ha- it has become fashionable 
I mean, I don't know if it's become. I think it's always been fairly fashionable to, and it's empowering to somebody to just say, oh, no, it sucked. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am above this or whatever. It's empowering to people, but I still think, I mean, there's no excuse for it. There is, uh, I mean, that's just the easy way out. That's, yeah. that, that's the brainless way out. If you don't want to think about it, if you don't want to collect your thoughts and actually try to come up with something that's going to be eloquent and put it out, then don't do it. You know, yeah. then, 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 you know, screw you guys. And you know what? All the people that did have those mainstream, <clears throat> you know, the ones that win the Oscars every year, probably feel the same way about us. Because we don't give them a shot. We're like, eh, we don't. That's not like true. Like the English Patient and shit like that. I've never even seen that what all movie, the way through. What, movie that what was that one where that guy had like one of those air compressor things and he put it up to people's oh, heads? Oh, no, no Country for Old Men. Yeah, I freaking hated that movie. Yeah, I hated that show too. But, but I watched it. I, yeah, but that's but th- what I'm saying. You'll have people that are like, because I, I read the book and I watched the movie. And I'm like, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> and it was up for Oscars, and, and I just didn't understand why it was well, so And that's good. fine, but the thing is, is I can sit here and I can say to myself, you know what? The, the reason I didn't like it is, number one, it was too slow for my taste. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't remember the movie now. It's been so long since I've seen it. But the thing is, instead of saying, oh, it was a big piece of shit. Like I at, just at, did. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> listen, at your job. Right. This is your right, job. Right. You have a reputation to uphold. Yeah. And if you're just saying, oh, this is a piece of shit, I'm not going to watch it. You know, that's different than saying, you know what? It, it was slow at times. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, this and that. It didn't resolve that's, itself, blah, blah, blah. That's different than just panning it. Just saying, yeah. you know, just brushing it off, you know? Right. So... That was a good attempt at trying to cool me off there, Chris, but no freaking way. I'm still pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> Not really. No, anyway. Hey, thanks for that voicemail. That was awesome. Hey there, Mike and Sam. Steven here. Uh, not going to give you shit this week because of, um, well, I fucking pretty much gave Mike all the shit one person can fucking deal with in one day this week. So I'll let you off the hook. And I just really have a question for the two of you. Well, I've got a question for Mike. I already know what the fucking answer is from Sam. But uh first question would be, Mike, have you actually sat down and watched the Spanish 1931 Dracula? Um, a lot of critics especially think that this is a technically superior version, even though they were operating off the same script. And um, I recommend sitting down watching them back to back. Uh, it's really kind of interesting to, you know, compare and contrast the different director's sensibilities. Fucking definitely worth watching, even on its own. Great fucking movie, and um, I would tend to agree that, I mean, it may not be as iconic as uh, the Lugosi, but definitely the direction. Uh, See, so yeah, the direction is a little bit better in the fucking Spanish version. All right, this, the second thing I want to talk about is the foreign horror movies coming over. There's this thing in America where we still, the vast majority of people still look as movies, not as art, but as entertainment. And if you add reading into a fucking movie, then it becomes too much work. It requires too much concentration and effort. Whereas you can look away from the screen if the movie is in your native language, but you can't do that if you are watching, you know, relying on the subtitles to, to figure out what the fuck's going on. And most Americans don't, we've just become conditioned, you know, to have no fucking concentration, no fuck tension span whatsoever. So that, yeah, these movies aren't going to do well if you bring them over and try to release them subtitled. 
but you know, I have to have to kind of point to the. Uh, it's not the foreign culture thing, though. If you look at, you know, maybe this is an apples to oranges comparison, but if you look at when Jackie Chan made his second attempt at breaking into Hollywood, they were releasing all these movies like um, uh, Super Cop and Armor of God and Drunken Master. I think Drunken Master 2 came out in the 80s, at least 10 years before it was released in America. And it was dubbed and still managed to be relatively successful at the box office. I think uh, Rumble in the Bronx uh, cost him $1 million maybe to do the dubbing work on it. And it took in 30 its opening weekend. Hell, $1 million and you know you consider this movie has already made all its fucking money overseas when you so you know that kind of a fucking investment you know it's it's a no brainer the problem you run into dubbing has to be good though in order for in order to keep people's attention but at the same time you know i think i think it may be the compromise here i would much rather watch let the right one in dubbed than i would a fucking American remake of it. I don't think it's going to be as fucking good. Period. And yes, dubbing can be distracting, but at least it compensates for the fact that Americans have no fucking attention span. Yeah, I, I think that's the whole issue. The fact is, Americans don't want to fucking work for their entertainment. And it's fucking sad because what we end up with is money that could be going into original ideas being poured into ideas that are already fucking out there that Americans are too fucking impatient to fucking check out. So we get stuff like, you know, we'll probably spend, I'd say, what, 20, 30 mil at least minimum on a fucking remake of Let the Right One In end up with an inferior product when a perfectly good version of the movie is already out there. Let's take that $30 million and stick it into something new and original and give us something fucking else to watch. I don't know. It's the whole thing. The whole issue is fucking. The other thing about it is that really bothers me is that because of this mentality you know, Americans are fucking stupid. Or at least perceived to be stupid because we are passing up fucking art in favor of shit like, you know, fucking the G.I. Joe movie and Transformers 2 and uh, the next end of the fucking world movie from Roland Emmerich. It's fucking pathetic. But, uh, you know... It, it, at least that's one advantage of uh, you know the the DVD market and the fact that home consumer electronics are so fucking cheap anymore is that we can recreate the experience of being in a theater with our big fucking screen TVs and uh, if we feel like reading a fucking movie we can fucking do it in the privacy of our own homes and uh, not out in public where people will call us fucking uh, art fags. Well, I'll probably still call you art fags. Except you're not really all that artsy, are you? You know, and it occurs to me as I'm, as I'm recording this, you know, we have all this fucking technology. 
why don't we take, say, instead of 30 million and making let the right one in again, why don't we take that 30 million? If dubbing, you know, the mouth sinking is a big issue, why don't we go in digitally and make it so that the words match the fucking actor's lips and just fucking release this superior product or in my way of looking at superior art, why don't we do that? Why don't we just go into these foreign movies and digitally tweak what we need to tweak to fucking make it palatable for American audiences instead of wasting this material in a new fucking movie that is not going to be as good. I don't know. All right, fuckers. That's it for me. Be cool, bitches. So, since we're asking questions to only part of the show, I've got a question for Steven's microphone. How far does he deep throat you? Wow. Just kidding, Steven. That's a little, uh, that's a little <laughs> intimate. But uh, on, a, on a more serious note about what he was talking about, you mentioned that, that Americans, uh, that, that our, their attention span is just short. And uh, Anthony Zwicker, the guy that wrote Level 26 that I reviewed earlier, he just wrote an interesting article on the website for Level 26 talking about how old school media is just going to continue to die out, <clears throat> like the 30-minute sitcom and TV shows, people just aren't sticking around. They're not tuning in every single week. They're missing it. And so if people, if, if media wants to stay on top of it and continue to have an audience, they're going to have to make it accessible. And we're starting to see that with iPods and iPhones and stuff like that. But they're going to have to continue to do that type of thing in order to, uh, to get their, their brand out there. As far as uh, the Spanish Dracula goes, I've seen it. I have never sat and watched both in a row. And, I mean, I'm not this big film history you know, guy anyway. So, I mean, uh, like the mechanics and the, and the, and the techniques, stuff like that. I'll, I mean, I'll admit it. A lot of it's lost on me. I freaking love horror movies, but as far as like the technique and, and, uh, the details of filmmaking itself, you know, I, I have no background in that at all. So I, I really enjoyed the Dracula, the Spanish Dracula. I, I, I mean, I really enjoyed the, um, you know, the one with Bela Lugosi as well. I mean, I can't, uh, but it does make sense to me that the Spanish one would technically be better because, I mean, they could look at the dailies, you know, yeah. and sure, I mean, it's the same script and in, in, uh, uh, same, you know, I, I don't know if it's the same costumes, but the same sets, things like that. But if, if you're going to look at something, basically you have um, kind of a second try almost because you can see what these guys didn't say, you know what? We can do that better. I mean, I mean, if there's an example out there, I think it would be fairly. I, I would almost think that if it wasn't technically better, that you know they would they would be extra fail, or they they were told that you have to do it exactly. Blah blah. I don't know. Just my take on it. Thanks for the thanks for the voicemail though, Stephen. Always a pleasure. And uh, yep. by the way, you notice he did get an insult in there. Of so, course, of course. So yeah, that's because I mean. we know he loves us. Oh. All right, well, that's it for voicemails. Uh, what do you want to do? Take a quick break and then... Uh, I've got a... Uh, yeah, I've got a man on the street. Whoa, look forward to that. Mom, do you sometimes have that not-so-fresh feeling? Sure, honey, all the time. Well, what do you do about it? Here, put on these headphones. A podcast? Not just any podcast. This podcast is a member of the Douchebag Podcasting Network. Wow, I feel fresher already. Well, of course. The Douchebag Podcasting Network features only the douchiest shows with the douchiest host. 
I love you, Mom. You're the best. I love you, too. Oh, and by the way... Yes, Mom? It also helps if you wash your vagina. Oh, Mom... Uh, yeah, can I get uh, two nachos? Just like the nachos and chips? Uh, no, the, the nachos. The naco? Yes. You mean nachos or a naco? A naco. We don't have a naco. Oh, um. Oh, oh, that's a taco. Uh, yeah, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take a, uh, a a taco supreme, a soft taco supreme. Okay. And a water. Okay. And do you have uh, huevos rancheros? But not a huevos rancheros. No. Okay, I'll just stick with the uh, the taco and the water. Okay. Thank you. All right, nachos. Uh, nachos. That, that was hilarious. Well, that was from Justin in Hawaii. I decided to give that a try as a good idea. So <laughs> I, what I've decided though, you, get, you know what the funny thing is, what? he's like. You know, here we are going, oh my gosh, what a dumbass. He was saying the same thing <laughs> yeah, about <I> you. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is I got up there. I waited this long-ass line. Got up to the front of the line. He's like, you won't believe this. We just ran out of beef. <laughs> I'm like, that's all right. I'm 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 leaving anyways. Oh, nice. But, uh, you know, I, I figured out for Man on the Street, I think what I'm going to do is people can send their ideas. I don't know if I dare do everything, but uh, I'll dare do some of the stuff. But I've got a pretty good idea to just kind of not overthink it, but go out and do it. So we'll see how it ends up. Got some questions lined up. That should be. Yeah. So there are questions that I can ask everybody, and the last question is so damn funny that every <laughs> that it'll just be funny to listen to how everybody reacts. So it'll be good. All right. Well, should we get into the show? Friday the Thirteenth, yes. Part Four, uh, the final chapter. before you have felt the terror known the madness lived 
the horror. But this is the one you've been screaming for. Friday, the 13th, the final chapter. Jason is back. He moves like a shadow. Dark and silent. Now you change your mind? He never utters a word. He doesn't even seem to breathe. He simply, mindlessly, mercilessly, kills. But now, Jason's reign of terror is over. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Friday. April 13th is Jason's unlucky day. So after this one, we'll be done with the... No? We won't be done? No? Okay. Came out, Shocking. <laughs> came out in 1984. Uh, IMDb gave it a 5.2. Uh, directed by Joseph Zito. Uh, written by <clears throat> Barney Cohen and Martin Kitrosser. Are you looking at me because my voice cracked up? No. Hmm? Uh, budget was $1.8 million. Uh, actually, it was one. Uh, IMDb said it was 1.8 million, but it, on Wikipedia it said 2.6 million. Uh, the gross was 32.6 million. No wonder why they kept making these. Oh, no, no, ki- no, freak, no doubt. Duh. Uh, starring Kimberly Bell. Uh, sorry, Kimberly Beck as Trish Jarvis, uh, Eric Anderson as uh, Rob Dyer, Corey Feldman, uh, the Dickless as Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> See, I just said that because it made me feel empowered. You just said that about like a 10-year-old kid, dude. About Corey Feldman? Yeah. No, I, I'm looking at his picture right now, and he's oh. old. Okay. He's old. He's yelling in his wife's face. <laughs> uh, Barbara Howard is Sarah. Peter Barton is Doug. Lawrence Monson is Ted, the, the most irritating son of a... Uh, teddy bear kids. Jo- <laughs> shut up. Uh, sorry about the shut up. I'll be in my uh, Joan Freeman uh, as Mrs. Jarvis, uh, Crispin Glover as Jimmy, Claude Hayes as Paul, Judy Anderson as Samantha, Camilla Moore as Tina, Carrie Moore as Terry, Tina and Terry. I wanted to make sure to, uh, you may say, why are you listing no, all I these know. people? Well, but I wanted to make sure to at least get in the twins. And uh, Bruce Mailer as Axel. After a confrontation with Chris, Jason is presumed dead. He is taken to the Wessex County morgue. There he escapes, killing an attendant and a nurse, uh, making his way back to Crystal Lake Camp. Six teenagers rent a cabin next to the Jarvis's Crystal Lake. Soon Jason finds his way to eliminate all who trespass his way, but not for long. There are two survivors left, a girl and her little brother, Tommy Jarvis. That's a huge spoiler right in the, right in the thing. Anyways, there are two survivors. Tommy Jarvis. The final battle will define their destiny. Be prepared for the final chapter. What do you think? This I like this one. This this was this was pretty good. This movie was I you know yeah, what? I these these were better than the like number 2 and number 3. I felt like number 2 and number 3 were so repetitive. And while these still had a lot of the same things, now, they kind of moved it a little bit. It was in like number 4 you're you're off the you're away from Camp Crystal Lake, you're right. more in houses. Uh-huh. Number 5 you're at the you know, nut house with the the kids. Uh-huh. So I think they're moving it. So I and I liked Crispin Glover. I mean, I oh like seeing gosh. people I recognize. The- the thing is, is none of these, none of these three films, and uh, I'll save, I'll save exactly what I mean by you know with each film when we get there. But basically, none of these added anything to the to the 
uh, background story of uh, Jason. I mean, really. uh, Other than if you mean background, like moving forward. The only thing the only thing I can think of is like in part six where Jason comes back because he gets shocked by lighting like Frankenstein. Okay, that's the only thing I can think of okay. that would be. Anyway, no, I'll agree with that. I'll agree. I don't want to demean it by saying this is where they brought in some kids and they all freaking died, but that's basically all four, five, and six were as far as four goes. I mean, there was nothing. I mean, in, let's say in one, you know, was we obviously knew it was the mother, and then. You know, we we found out that Jason was actually alive. And two, Jason's been camping out in the woods. And, you know, we've, he uh, is actually, this is the first movie where he's the killer. And number three, you know, he, he finds his mask. I guess that's, you know, basically the main point for number three. But number four, he's just kind of on his killing spree. Now, the first part of this movie was especially funny to me. Basically, it, I guess it starts off, you know, pretty quick after... Uh, three part three ends. They take Jason's body to a morgue. They stick him in the you know in the in the cooler, which by the way we're not supposed to notice, but there was breath coming out. I of saw Jason. that. Yeah, okay. I wrote that down. I think we are supposed to notice that. Are, are, were we? Okay, I think so maybe. because then that's showing that he's alive. See, and and that's the thing is he was is he undead? Did he somehow wake from the dead? Who knows? But may, but apparently if if you know since that was in there, we're assuming that he was maybe just mm-hmm. in deep slumber mm-hmm. and just happened to let out a breath right as he mm-hmm. went into the locker. But anyway, the first part was totally hilarious to me because, I mean, here we are at this morgue. We have this kind of a slimy dude and then this uh, nurse. Eating a sandwich. Going back. Oh, of course, eating a sandwich because he's a morgue. That, that was going to be the first thing. I mean, he's, he's uh, uh, I don't think that you're a real mortician unless you eat a sandwich right. around dead bodies and maybe rest it on their stomach or something like that. But, uh, but no, I, first of all, we go in there, and there's this kind of horn dog guy, and he keeps trying to uh, make it with this girl. But did you notice that uh, the video he was watching of the calisthenics? He, you know, he goes into the back room, and there's like this uh, TV show on of these hot chicks doing calisthenics. That was the same video that the dad on Dirty Work was watching. You know, to I've never watched that. You never seen Dirty? Work. Huh. It's not like a freaking awesome movie, but it's hilarious that really? they reused it in Dirty Work. I mean, just the just the back and forth there was pretty funny. Um, these start getting a little more well. Four, particularly in six, uh, so we're, we're you know had some comedic val- uh, you know comedic additions to it. Five tried really hard <sighs> with the Ethel and Junior. Uh, well, let's wait to talk yeah, about no, five because yeah. I think we're going to kick five in the balls. Yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, with like like Sam was saying, Crispin Glover, uh, between the the dialogue between him and Teddy, were, it was just kind of it the was dancing. just ridiculous. And yeah, Crispin Glover's dancing. Tw- they brought twins in. I, I thought that was a great, uh, your a great pleasure, hot baby. hot twins. Yeah. Uh, number four was the had the most nudity in any Friday oh, the Thirteenth. Really? Yeah, is. Uh, is basically what it was. I don't know what. Well, and you know what though, there there was something that really bothered me. You know, we know these are fake, but this one was this this was especially fake. As they're coming up the road and they pass the fat chick on the side of the road, right? She freaking pulls out a banana to eat. Bullshit. Why? Why? Because that would have been a Twinkie in real life. <laughs> yeah, and that was the fakest shit I've ever seen. That she would go get in her pack this fat chick and pull out a banana. <laughs> That's yeah, really rude, right. but. The thing is, is what happens is this this uh, <laughs> fat chick, as Sam would put it, 
because I'm all PC and nice yeah, and everything like nice. that. But no, okay, so she gets, I can't remember exactly how she died. She gets something stuck through her, but uh, she squeezes the banana. The yeah. effect that you get out of that banana wouldn't be as good you, in the Twinkie. It would be better with the Twinkie because oh. the cream shoots out no, no. of the little holes. You know what? That is a debate for the ages because I think that That's the, the, <laughs> sick. The, the squeezing banana, <clears throat> pulling up and then falling over would be better than just squishing a Twinkie in your hands. I don't, you know that's a debate that we that we need to get into. It would have been more realistic with the Twinkie, so no, no, I would yeah. have bought. Oh, it. because let me ask you, because you were so into this film that that's what took you out of it. I was like, oh, I'm watching a movie. I, I'm actually this is the, yeah. From then on, I was like, this I can't believe any word they say. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm not going to agree with you on that one. But uh, okay, so we move on. You know, there's really a whole heck of a lot. Uh, not not have a lot to it, but. Uh, we are we are met with this family called the Jarvis named the Jarvises, uh, a mom and sister and son who is Corey Feldman. Basically, they live out you know, in a cabin type thing. It seems like she just went through some kind of a divorce, and uh, you know they're trying to make a new start. You know, which is great. And and actually, I I liked I liked that family. I mean, I thought the mm-hmm. family. I mean, it was maybe a little corny at sometimes. Well, I, I was surprised that they died. Well, that the mom did. No, right, exactly. Because uh, she was a likable character. And, and you can't say that about all the characters right. that were in this film. You can't say that about most of the characters right. that were in you know, all these films. But, uh, you know, so they're, they're making their, you know, their attempt at a second chance. Corey Feldman seemed like a normal kid. I mean, I didn't, I liked him in this movie. Yeah. You know, I think he did a good job. Until the end. But yeah. <laughs> All right. Next door to this family, of course, uh, these partying teenagers come up to take a, um, you know, just a vacation, stay up there, party, skinny dip, which was, you know. Fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, one thing I did like about it, well, you know, in the movie, obviously, you, you know, you kind of get the the interaction between, you know, this family and, you know, how they're trying to build their relationship get better and then also you know they how they interact with uh you know the partying teenagers next uh one of my favorite characters though it was uh there was a camper or, or i'm sorry a uh what do you call it a backpacker mm-hmm. who was actually out to hunt jason and uh he you know kind of an outdoorsy type of guy uh he be he is befriended by the family because he helps uh what cory and uh Corey's older sister fix our car and whatever you know he was a you know the characters in this were fine as far as the teenagers in the other one you know they're they're pretty much cookie cutter <laughs> i i don't know what, I, what what how'd you feel about that no i agree one thing that i liked is they brought different parties together this time really yeah as far as you've got two complete separate groups of people that become involved with this and and i really did like the family yeah i like trish and i liked uh tommy and the mom, and, and like I said, I was really kind of dis- that For the first time, I'm disappointed when someone gets killed and it was the mom. I mean, I was like, oh, right. crap. And I can't yeah, wait for it Yeah, because typically you want them, everyone right, to die. Right, but I, I didn't want to see her, her go. But, yeah, I think you've got the same thing. People pairing off, and then they're going to have sex. They get killed while they have sex. I mean, it's it, it really is typical. But, but, like, we're going back to, to spend $2.5 million or whatever this, you know, whatever the discrepancy is, mm-hmm. and make thirty. It's it's because they have that cookie cutter. Well, it, they're they're going to keep doing it until it doesn't work. Absolutely. The what, when I was watching this, I can't remember who it was. I th- it may have been Johnny who who, who mentioned this that um, 
you know the the remake comes out and it, in the beginning I was kind of irritated because of the uh some of the one-sided characters and everyone was too pretty. Listen, there were some uh once one-dimensional characters in this, you know, there it this is I think one of the main ones where um you know, it's just a bunch of, you know, if you were to take out I think if you were to take out the family in the in the backpacker, you would have the remake. Yeah. And and that's and that's basically what it would be because there's hot chicks Nudie scenes, mm-hmm. you know. I, I, you have the one good girl, you know, just like the new one, and uh, who finds true love, you know, with some dude, but uh, then they both freaking die, except for not in the new one. But anyway, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know. She if didn't some, die. No, she. Oh, yes, she did. What? The, the one, the one who uh, who wouldn't go skinny dipping, and. Uh, who was talking to the slutty girl about? Oh, I, oh, I thought you were talking about the older sister. Oh no, 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 no! I'm sorry. I, I was, if you take, I if thought you she take was hot, away, so. Oh no, yeah. But if you, I, I was just say, if you take, if you're just talking about the teenagers. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. My but then that's what, yeah, no problem. But anyway, I mean, I, I, the effects were good. And, I mean, I don't think there's anything spectacular. That I mean, Tom Savini did the effects. Well, yeah, so. I mean, yeah. but but the thing is, is uh, you know, I watched this two two three days ago. There's nothing that really stands out. Uh, I mean, they weren't bad. There were a few great kills, like some uh, who was it got thrown out of a thrown out of a window and uh, lands on a car. The car explodes. It's one of the know. twins. Yeah, that I mean that was really cool, um, you know. And then, and then you get you know a lot of the uh, hackings, the machete, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. you know knives, things like that. Um, you know, all pretty good. I mean, I, I it sounds like that uh, after listening to myself, it didn't seem like that there was much of original in it or. What do you think? I mean, because I like this movie. What do you, no, what do you think it, made it, this better? Well, I, I think the characters made it a little bit better. Okay. I, I think they did develop them a little bit more. They talked about uh, um, Crispin Glover, Glover being a dead fuck. I mean, they talked about that the whole time. So so you're kind of, you know, that that's going on, and then he sticks it to Teddy, um, right. <clears throat> you know, because he goes and takes Teddy's girlfriend. I think they, right. they Crispin Glover helped it a lot. Because I recognized him at, from other movies. Oh, yeah. And Corey Feldman, too. So so you have some star power in there, I guess. Well, and not to mention uh, Crispin Glover's awesome dance. Oh, jeez. This kind of reminded me of Elaine on Seinfeld. See, it reminded me of, uh, oh, who was it? Is it Pigpen on Charlie Brown? Yeah. One of those guys. Somebody that dances, or maybe it's Linus. <laughs> when the piano's going, they dance around like that. But it, it was uh, hilarious. I was laughing at that. You know, and, the, and I will admit that... Um, I mean, some of the interactions between the, you know, and I don't really get caught up in this a lot, but I was, I felt sorry for Crispin Glover because he was, uh, he's getting bagged on by yeah. Ted the whole time. I wa- I was happy when he Me went too. upstairs with one of the twins and Ted got shafted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by, by the way, uh, how about that old style porn? Oh, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was, that was pretty solid. Lots of black, <laughs> pretty solid. <laughs> I, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just hope one of those wasn't my grandma. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. You have any final thoughts? I don't. Uh, <laughs> it's it's hard. You know, we go back to it, but they they just went to where their strengths was, and I want to hit it one more time because I noticed that it starts raining. They go on the big body run where the, the, yep. they're trying to get away, and you make sure to go see how everybody died and ended up. Right. And and then you know. They go to the end, and Corey Feldman has done speed reading to figure out that there's some psychology going on here. Right. So he hurries and takes the time to shave his head to, I guess, look well, like yeah, Jason. It, well, yeah, because he or... found it with the, the backpacker who's hunting him did all this uh, research and yeah. had all these clips, things or like newspaper clippings, things like that. Yeah, so 
Well, Tommy makes masks, and so he decides to shave his head, put makeup on, and and it seems like this happens more often than I w- than I ever realized that the end of these movies is pe- people talking to Jason and trying yeah. to convince, and Jason his guard goes down because he's just mesmerized by either somebody pretending to be his mom because there's some bald kid. Yeah, that just <laughs> yeah, looks exactly. like a cancer survivor, which yeah. is just horrible. I shouldn't say. You know, the th- you know what I just realized. In uh, I mean, I, I've thought about this before, but four, five, and six is kind of uh, kind of have the one thing in common is that Tommy Jarvis is in every one of them. Tommy Jarvis is a pretty normal kid, gone through a divorce. He you know he has his interest, happened to be making like special effects and and massings like that. At the end, he goes through a pretty traumatic experience, you know. However far-fetched it is that some little tiny kid, you know, can beat the shit out of an undead, whatever, you know, undead. Well, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't undead by it by now. But can kill this giant dude. You know what? I'm not even going to I'm not even going to look into that cuz I don't I can't look into Jason's, you know, psyche to see what he was going through when he saw bald Corey Feldman. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to comment on that. You know, and the fun, and, and this is something too, a theme uh, I don't know if it's a theme, but it, but it's something that four and five both have in common. We're gonna spoil it, <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, did, have have we not yet? So at the end of part four, Corey Feldman's character basically just like Sam said, he put uh, Jason puts his guard down, and, and Corey Feldman hacks the crap out of him. Well, not only that, but the way that he fell on the machete to cut his head in half. Oh right, there shouldn't have been a number five. Well, well, <laughs> there really wasn't. Whoa, 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 whoa. Anyways, yeah, go but, ahead. Uh, okay, so so uh, he kills Jason, quote unquote, and um, at the last scene, Corey Feldman looks into the camera with these crazy eyes, like something's been passed on. Yeah, but nothing really comes of it. So. No, because he just acts like Kevin Bacon in the next movie. Just yeah. totally stupid, stupid ass, retarded, blank stare. Anyway, you know the thing is, I like this one. I'll give this one a buy. I'll I give mean, it a buy because it was. I mean, there was there was a lot of stuff that we like. You know, there's a lot of things I liked about it. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't spectacular. There was no moments of oh, it was just basically you know killing, uh, decent kills. Not not nothing that uh, I would say are, are totally spectacular. I don't know. Am mm-hmm. I being a dick about no, that? No, no. It's because, just we've seen this before, yeah. and that's the the novelty kind of wears off. But <laughs> I'm not trying to be negative about it right. either because I do give this a buy. Yeah, there were there were some pretty hot girls. There was some you know good characters in this one, mm-hmm. which you know, like I said, you know, was fairly uncommon. Uh, you know, for especially a lot of slasher films right. coming out at that time, I guess. Right. But uh, no, I would say give it a buy. Let's do yeah. it. So the memory count on this was 17. Nice. And I learned a few things from this. I learned what's wrong with George McFly. Let me ask you something. Uh-huh. Did you count the old school boobies? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep, I did. So I learned what's wrong with George McFly. And I learned that a little kid dragging a strange man up to his room by the hand is acceptable behavior. I know. I noticed that, too. Here, I got <laughs> something to show you in my bedroom. And he's and he's dragging him up by the hand, and the mom's just sitting on the couch. Oh, what's going on? It was like, the 80s. Bizarre. Maybe it was Yeah, different. maybe it was. Yeah, different time. Uh, it's easier to break a window and climb out than go around a body. I was like, that is retarded. Well, when the, who's, who was the body? It was Crispin Glover. And he oh. Was, and he was tacked up, like... Hanging by his hands. That's right. And she decided instead of going around him to come back in, pick up a chair, throw it out right. the kitchen window, 
and then climb out the kitchen window. I, I was just like, are you well, kidding well, me? Well, listen, maybe she maybe she did a little research of her own, found out that with with uh, these slasher killers, they might grab you. Maybe maybe she thought the same thing would happen with Crispin Glover. That's a great point. Or no, it's not. It's <laughs> and then the last thing I learned was that Jason is far sighted. Dude can hit shit from a mile away with like arrows and knives, uh-huh. but when he's close by, he can't hit worth a shit. <laughs> so he is definitely far sighted. Nice. Um, who else said that? Are you not in the mood for my tuna salad? That was Jessica Simpson to Tony Romo after being dumped. Yuck. And at six degrees, Crispin Glover was in Beowulf with Anthony Hopkins, who was in Meeting Meet Joe Black with Brad Pitt, who was in Ocean's Eleven with George Clooney, who was in Intolerable Cruelty with Bruce Campbell. I kind of feel like we glazed over that and didn't give it the credit it deserved. No, I, th- I think we did good. I mean, it, 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 I, I'm not going to use that phrase because it's obnoxious, <laughs> yeah. but it's... But because I like this, I think, more than I'm letting on. No, I agree, but that you can't... We've already hashed the first three, and this was very but similar. Maybe it's maybe it's because we're coming off of talking about Wreck and exploring some other themes, and yeah. there was not no, much to this. No, you know, this is... Dead Girl too. I was looking forward to these because it was just mindless, yep. laugh at stuff, you know, jump out. It's the typical slasher, just funny stuff. Yes. Where okay. it, it's been so deep the no, last... No, you're, you're right. I, you're dive. right. I, I completely so, agree with you because I, I don't think we missed anything. I don't think there were any underlying themes or social uh, statements that were being made at all. Besides Nambla, that was—I mean—that was it. <laughs> That's the only one. I uh, will take a break. This tribute is to honor all the guys who wish they were someone else. You know who you are, Mister. Wear my favorite player's jersey in public, guy. I now know that you love LeBron James and Kobe Bryant so much that you're willing to wear that tank top and give all of us a side shot of your man boobs. Who would have known that you subscribed to Sports Illustrated to stroke it to your favorite athlete? We're not sure whether to pity you or go ask for your autograph, O titan of the tank top, but be sure that the FBI is watching because wearing that jersey is the first big step down the road of stalkerdom. And on that one occasion where you make it to a warm-up to see your favorite player warm up and ask him to autograph your jersey, make sure not to wear the silk shorts because none of us want to see your premature ejaculate coming through the fabric. But keep wearing that jersey so we can salute you as the retarded wannabe you are. It reminds me that I may be a fan, but you're a freaking idiot.
Oh, and by the way, I didn't mention that. Uh, did you know Alice Cooper put in a lot of songs in Part Six? He put he had three songs I didn't in that know movie. That. No, I didn't. Yeah, know that. so we are dedicating the music of this episode to Alice Cooper. Yeah, actually, we're not dedicating it to Alice Cooper. Well, did there's you know? a teenage Frankenstein in Part Six. All right, so let's just go into right into uh, Part Five, uh, a new beginning. Trauma at age 12. Brutal self-defense murder of a psychopathic killer. Boy, they've given him every therapy they can think of. It's wonder his mind isn't fried with all the drugs they've given him. The mindless, murderous fury that was buried with Jason has been reborn Pete. and suddenly terror has become child's play friday the 13th part five a new beginning Year was 1985, you know, and these all came out a year from you. You know, this is probably boom, the same boom, time boom. the Breakfast Club was coming out. <laughs> I would rather watch this movie than Breakfast Club. <laughs> I yeah, we don't need to get into that. Uh, IMDb gave it a 3.9, <laughs> which is fairly exactly. high. <laughs> maybe uh, directed by Danny Steinman, written by Martin Katrasser and David Cohen. Uh, again, let's see, grossed. Two wait 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 I think I have that backwards. It uh, the budget was two point two million. The net was twenty one point nine million domestically. So this was still a a kick butt. You know at the box office uh, investment percent yeah one thousand percent return. I wish everything I could every investment I made was that. Uh, let's see, starring Anthony Barrill as Vinny, Suzanne Bateman as Nurse Yates. Uh, Dominic Brassia as Joey, Todd Bryan as Neil, Curtis Conway as Les, Juliet Cummins as Robin, Bob DeSimone as Billy, John Robert Dixon as Eddie, Corey Feldman makes a an appearance as Tommy at 12. Uh, Harry Fields plays Anita, Tiffany Helm plays Violet, Melanie Kinneman plays Pam Roberts, Richard Linebeck as Deputy Dodd, Carol Locatell as Ethel Hubbard, Rick Mancini as Mayor Cobb, and the reason I'm listing so many again is because I, I wanted to make sure to mention Miguel A. Nunez Jr. as Demon. Uh, Corey Parker as Pete. Jerry Pablon as Jake. Shavar Ross as Reggie. Rebecca Wood as Lana. My second favorite character in this show. 
And uh, John Shepard as uh, Tommy Jarvis. Tommy Jarvis was listed fairly I saw low. that because I used him for my six degrees. Uh-huh. I had to go to the second page in IMDb. Yeah, that, you know, he only said 24 words in this whole movie. Yeah. So, Kevin I mean, Bacon esque. <laughs> this guy was. Never mind. We'll get into it. Um, after eight years of being shuffled around various mental institutions, Tommy Jarvis has now been placed in the Pinehurst Halfway House, one that is unique because it runs off an honor system. It is not made clear what happened to Tommy's sister Trish following the events of the previous film, but it's presumed that she has since died. Has it been presumed? I don't know. I don't. I never figured out what, what happened to her. I didn't even think about it. Shortly after Tommy's arrival, one of the patients, Vic, attacks and kills another patient named Joey with an axe and is arrested. <laughs> this is my favorite line in the synopsis. Paramedics and sheriff of well, hold on. Paramedics and sheriff officers arrive as the paramedics work to clean up the mess. Jokes are made about the murder, which apparently angers one of the paramedics. <laughs> that's a that's a great part of the. It's because that douche that wrote that didn't want to get accused of sport. <laughs> apparently, angers one of the paramedics. <laughs> Uh, somebody who hasn't seen Part Five right now is like, "What? Why are they? I don't get why it. are they laughing?" But at least that guy saved his status, so he can now still write on IMDb because he didn't spoil it. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> anyway, so the 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 rest of the story got it kind of goes the same way. You know what? This is probably my very least favorite of all the Friday the Thirteenth. Dude, I, I loved this. I one. hated this I, one. The best part no, of no. this whole movie. Wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Was the robot dance? The head kicked so much ass. Well, okay, so you have a bunch of misfits in this halfway house slash mental institution. Uh, first of all, let's talk. Let's talk about the acting in this show. Okay, uh, we mentioned that one of the one of the guys. Uh, what what was his name? Um, so one of the guys gets uh, axed because he's so irritating. That dude was. So I, it was hilarious yeah. how bad of an actor he was, and it was also hilarious how pissed off the guy chopping wood how was. How stereotypical! Yeah, and he's you know, fat kid with candy bars. Hang- he had the same candy bar hanging out every single one of his pockets. <laughs> a chocolate coming down the side. This guy goes crazy and just axes him and gets taken away. And that's when the paramedic, who apparently gets angered, shows up. Now, now. That is terrible acting. There, you know, I I don't know if I could do better. I'm not claiming that I could do better, but give me a freaking break. Second of all, there is a family who lives um, around the same part of town, and is not too happy that there is a halfway house full of teenage hooligans or mental patients living around. They nuts. Are, they, Reggie calls them nuts. Right. Okay. Well, they are the most irritating, hillbilly, oh. stereotypical characters. It's a mother and a son. Both of them. Every time they open their mouth, I cringe. Who thinks that's funny? No, nobody. Who? No, but why would you write that into a movie? <laughs> uh, seriously, who thinks that shit is funny? Hey, there is not. Mama. There is not a person alive that thinks that that that's funny. I don't understand why you write that in. Listen, there. maybe the joke's on us. Maybe how? Because I laughed every time they would open up. No, like, you didn't. No, I laughed like. Oh. Give me a freaking break. I didn't. I just was so annoyed that they even had them in there. I mean, it just pissed. I'm just like, I don't insult my intelligence. I'm watching this as entertainment anyways. Uh-huh. Why piss me off by having somebody so stupid? You know what? You tell them, Mom. You know, you know what the clincher Ugh. is this for me? I mean, that was bad. And really, there are very few people in this that can act. But um, the worst thing about this film for me was the fact that our main character, Tommy Jarvis, 
was irritating to watch. This guy was unhinged. He was like, uh, I mean, I, I, you know, maybe he was, maybe he was playing a good, mentally unstable dude. But was he irritating or what? He would freak out. There was a couple of sweet parts where somebody pushed him too far, so he just kicked the junior. shit out of him. That junior it was Junior, guy, the, the, the I kept waiting for, for Luke Skywalker to pull out his lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> just chop the shit. Well, and then there was also a part where, um, you know, they were getting ready for breakfast, and I can't, the guy, oh, yeah. the guy crossed too much. He just right. goes ape shit. Apparently, you know, he had some decent fighting moves, too. Yeah, he did. But uh, just, just note that in, in this movie, he was unhinged, very antisocial, and was, like, afraid with people. But his time at that place worked very well because he wait, was wait, very... Wait, 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 wait. And that was my point. I'm going to say, right. remember that now because we will bring that up in the next film. When Andre Kirilenko plays Tommy. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, that's only funny to jazz bands. <laughs> uh, okay, but okay. Here's the problem. This is one of my fa- least favorite. This is my least favorite of the Friday Thirteenth. But it had two of the greatest scenes of any Friday the Thirteenth movie ever made. Can I guess? Sure. The first one is is when Demon and Nita are singing to each other when he's taking a shit. Absolutely. Oh, baby. Well, that one. well the, the funny thing is, is okay. So here's Demon. Oh, basically, one of the characters is this little. Uh, th- th- there's a, a little boy, and his grandpa works at the place. He's the cook, and uh, this little boy named Reggie goes out to visit his brother named Demon, who lives in a van down by the river. Down, down by the river, <laughs> has a girlfriend there, smoking weed, eating like I, I, I don't know, microwave enchiladas. You know, I don't know. Where was the hey, microwave? would you like an enchilada? I don't know, but they heated yeah. it up. I, I don't even know if they had any, uh, microwaves back then. I don't know. I, I'm, <laughs> I just teasing. But uh, so, so here's this guy. You know what? He was a loving brother. Sure, whatever. But uh, he he was only there for one reason, for one sweet action scene. He eats an enchilada. Is first of all, this guy is like got the soul glow working in he's his got hair. The Jerry curl, or whatever yeah. that stuff. And is. then he's and then he lives in this van eating enchiladas. And he's completely. He's got rings on. He's got earrings. He's got leather on, just to the hilt. And you know, it seems like a pretty nice dude. Sure, but uh, when he starts running to the outhouse, oh my gosh, this enchiladas, you know, whatever. He runs to the outhouse. He's sitting there, and all of a sudden, the outhouse starts to shake. And then uh, you know he he has his girlfriend there who they're all lovey dovey and then he, then he just starts like 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 barraging her with these like yeah. uh, you know mentally abusive whatever don't you be doing that bitch yeah. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. goes off on her and then she's just laughing oh come on whatever and then she, then then what you were saying ooh baby hey baby and then he starts singing back ooh baby hey baby. You look like Cartman while you're doing that, dude. <laughs> Thanks a lot, you dick. <laughs> so, okay, so we've got this awesome scene going on. Well, um, little does does uh, Demon know that his girlfriend gets destroyed by Jason. She, uh, yeah, Jason starts shaking the outhouse again. But she still has a pulse. Did you see that? I, I actually, I think I'm, I missed it this time, but I think I've seen that mm-hmm. before. So right after this this connection with this song, you know, um, she shakes it like for one more second, and he turns back and says, "Well, that's I told you, bitch." 
I, I told, I'm coming out there. He starts buckling up his uh, his pants really quick because he's going to go lay a beat down, <laughs> you know, basically. And then he, but you know, and then obviously it's you know he dies, whatever. But that was one of the greatest scenes of any Friday the Thirteenth ever. And you know that whole that one scene makes this whole thing the whole yeah. movie worth it to me. Yep. And it, it that one scene plus one one other scene that I'll talk about. Um, Really lifts this ranking in my in my mind. Is it the scene with the the, the uh, sex scene? I freaking I, that chick is hot. She was, huh? and that, that that's the other scene. Yeah, <laughs> those I, I guess yes. Those two, those yep. two, and that was it. I mean, and she was built really well. That girl. Oh well, no, like that's that. that's what I'm saying. She yep. those two scenes in and of itself. <clears throat> I mean, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag. I'm giving this a buy based on those two. <laughs> but just so you know, everything else sucks. About this movie. See, and I just elevated it to a, a rental status, other than As it's a, a red box. But the problem is, is that if you're collecting, you, you just have to go well, get it anyways. And, but yeah, we're going to do this on its own, movie. red box. <laughs> well, anyways, but, but we we're not done. No, we're, we're not. not. <laughs> no, we're not. Write that down now. <laughs> Write it down so we don't forget. And so, but Mike will never put it up on the site because he's too lazy anyways. <laughs> but no, you know, those, those two scenes are, that's basically it, except for... Uh, you know, we get some interaction between some of the people. You know, well, some, we forgot about that. Apocalypse Dan's favorite part. What what part? Billy. When he goes to pick up Lana. Billy has the sweetest stash I have ever seen oh, you know in what? my life. I cut that out of my mind because I hated that scene. Dude. That scene pissed me off. Come on. When she's in there at the mirror and she's like, Bye, it's showtime. Showtime. <laughs> or whatever. The most ridiculous scene of anything. I mean, sure, it was a good excuse to drop drop some boobies on us but yeah. but you know what the cat jumping out and oh yeah it's like where was that cat yeah i know it's like well i mean <laughs> there's a cat in a restaurant that jumps out i mean cliche maybe it wasn't back then but freaking give me a break yeah. but uh th- that's not even what pissed me off what pissed me off about that scene was how bad i i mean i don't know if this is just bad acting but how irritating this woman was talking to herself and whatever yeah. and then she then she does the showtime which moved it up just a little bit yeah. but then the rest of it just uh, no i yeah there, this movie was kind of a string of that type of a scene for me except for those two scenes well and and they really tried to get away again okay we're gonna change it up a little bit we're still gonna we're still gonna have air quote jason killing people right but we're gonna move it away from the lake so now we're different right now it's going to be something completely different. I mean, it's just that there were so many leaps to this this movie that were just so stupid. Like well, when when the the person in charge leaves and leaves the stuttering kid, he's obviously a mentally unstable yeah. person. He's now in charge of the house, right? Desperate I mean, times, man. <laughs> yeah. You know the thing is, is I don't think this plot was any thinner than four. I think the execution Absolutely. was what really killed it. Picked horrible actors, I think. Terrible, except for except for the punk chick that uh, did the robot, did the little break dancing, Dude. which was unbelievably listen freaking awesome, and it lasted twenty minutes. Oh, and she was so good. I mean, I had a tear in my eyes. She was just going for it. Well, I just couldn't <laughs> believe how serious she was about it. Oh, She's she, taking herself so seriously. That's one of those things where you look back and she's probably so embarrassed. Oh, yeah. every time she sees it. The other thing she's embarrassed about: she's the only actor in a Friday the Thirteenth that had to wear the uh, sweatshirt around her ass. You gotta be freaking embarrassed about that. <laughs> That's unfortunate for her. Unfortunate that you're doing the robot dance and really going for it. Like you're just like, a like star. It's her art. Yeah, man. this she was going for it, and she had to wear the sweatshirt while she was doing it. That's terrible. Damn it. 
<laughs> I'm sorry for you, Vi. But okay, so we're gonna basically spoil this. So basically, what it is is, um, you know, kill after kill, whatever. People are, you know, trying to create relationships. We see some, uh, you know, some other, uh, you know, decent deaths. We see some more nudity. Uh, uh, we find out that there there's a red herring that is actually not Jason at all. It is. One of the paramedics who happens to be Joey's dad, who got axed down in the beginning, and uh, Joey got axed. Oh, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Jo- I'm sorry, Joey got axed. His son got axed. He, he he had to clean up after his son, basically. For, it, it, apparently, he loved, it apparently angered him. He loved him so much that he dropped him off at a nut house and left him to continue yeah. his life as a paramedic close by. <laughs> Pissed him off, and so he comes back, and now he's just pissed at everybody else because he dropped his dumbass son off. You know, at so, the nut house. well, listen, he he becomes a copycat killer, and uh, you know, freaks uh, Tommy Jarvis out. I think I think the main point of this movie was to propel Tommy in deeper into this. Uh, but is it the same people that did number six? No. Then it shouldn't have propelled anything. No, dude. I'm trying. I'm trying oh. to come up with something. Right. Okay? Oh, okay. I'm trying to. I'm trying to salvage. I appreciate something. that. Listen, the plot. The plot story was. You know, it wasn't great, but it, I'm let's put it this way: if, if number four, it, well, this made money. I know, but I'm just surprised that there was a six after that. I'm surprised people didn't go. I just got ripped off. Well, maybe they did because six didn't do so well. Oh. So okay. you know. So okay. this was riding the coattails of four, possibly. Six comes out and it's writing the coattails of this POS, mm. but what are you going to do? I don't know. That that's basically all I have to say. Bad acting, uh, you hilarious you... at a point. Uh, two freaking awesome scenes propel this to a buy, in my opinion. Okay, but well, I was just going to say you give it the same rating you give four. You know, four. <laughs> I really liked four. I, I know, did. but you hated this, and it gets the same rating. That is the power of one scene. Uh, well, two uh, yeah. scenes, yeah. mostly that enchilada scene. And the way that that guy says enchilada <laughs> is hilarious. All right. I, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's too high. Sure. But... Hey, but it's your prerogative. Hey, baby. Oh, no. All right, so the memory count on this was 17. What did I learn? Vic's axe can't make it through a piece of wood but made butter out of Joey. Yeah. Demon is so bad that he doesn't even wipe. <laughs> Listen, you can he cannot perform when somebody's singing to him. I know. He has to concentrate on it's that lucky. first you know that he first has black leather. That's just that's like So if he takes a shit in his pants, it's not gonna show yep. up. It's gonna stay in there it's great. and congeal. If you stutter you don't get laid. <laughs> Which is a bummer. Yeah, that's too that's bad a for bummer. that guy. Uh, two things to count on rain at the end and a body discovery run. The only thing missing at the end was and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those pesky kids. You, you know what? That's funny, I, but we I I, you know, I totally forgot about the last about the last scene. Just kind of the oh, yeah. exact same last scene, practically. Well, not really. Basically, so they live. So uh, Tommy lives in uh, you know the the female camp or not camp counselor the like the lady who mm-hmm. runs it. Uh, the female does. They they take him to a hospital. There's Tommy in a hospital, who for some reason. The killer's clothes and mask was in his nightstand at the hospital. He was knocked out. He was knocked out. Yeah. But they're there. So, I mean, I'm not, let's not even mention that because that (laughs) might, that might make people not want to watch this because of how stupid that was. But in essence, without going over every detail of this final one, uh, we are led to believe that uh, Tommy will continue the killing in the next one. That's why it's called The New Beginning. Yep. 
But the writers of the next one said, screw that. He, he may have killed that lady at the end of that one. Yep. But he's still free to run around and well, pretend like it doesn't happen. Well, listen, he's still, he's still, you know, it's not like he gets out of the mental institution yeah. yet. All right, so I have a couple of who else said that. So you're the new nut, huh? Is that what they call us? That is a testicle with amnesia. <laughs> and the other one is, what are the nuts up to now? And that's a suspicious vagina. See, see look at this. You know, we, this movie may be terrible, but look, look at the comedy it produces. I can't believe I got through that without laughing. Okay. <laughs> Oh, on that six degrees, John Shepard was in Hunt for Red October. Who? Which guy? Tommy. The, what? Yeah, he's in Hunt for Red October as a as a fighter pilot. Oh my gosh! Uh, he was Hunt for Red October with Sam Neill, who was in The Mouth of Madness with Hayden Christensen in The Virgin Suicides of Kirsten Dunst, Spider Man, Bruce Campbell. I disapprove. Sorry, dude. <laughs> just, just trying to get there. <laughs> All right, was that it? That is it for that movie. So, just as a recount, just as a, I gave that a red box, Mike gave that a buy. Listen. No, I'm just... I, I, I I'm not trying to, to pull the wool over no, anybody's no. eyes. This movie is a piece no, of crap. No, no, no. Just in case my paper gets trashed. Ah. We always do it at the end of a review. I can fast forward through the episode to I get see, it. I see. I see. Okay. It's preparatory, dude. Okay, because... Yeah. People don't... They don't have to know about the mechanics behind what makes this shit run. All right? There's <laughs> all, a all lot of our to little it. technical secrets. Oh, you know what? One of these days, we will videotape ourselves recording, and they will be in awe of the shit that we do to make this happen. I mean, it is so technical. <laughs> I mean, well, it's unreal. You realize that what you mean by that is they will be in awe of all the shit that happens and we actually put out a show. Yeah, <laughs> we actually give pretty them. much, yeah. I wish I could say enchilada like that guy. <laughs> yeah! I've been sitting here watching flicks till my eyes are red. Been watching Evil Dead and Argento's Deep Red. Been watching Night, Dawn, Dayland and Return of the Living Dead. And I feel no shame while my talk's profane. Just like Malcolm McDowell, I'm singing in the fucking rain. If you don't dig my shit, then answer me this. Why so mysterious? If you're into horror, cold exploitation, or just kick-ass movies, from the badass to the just plain bad, check us out at jafnp.com. Just Another Fucking Movie Podcast is not a review show. We go beyond the screen to discuss the what's and why's of the genre's great classics. Thinking cowboys and watching killers in black and watch his motherfucker take it in the head with an axe and say, hey, hey, I'm digging Bruce Campbell saying, hey, hey, now I'm watching some drama saying, hey, hey, digging Ilsa and Olga saying, hey, 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 hey. J-A-F-M-P dot com.
All right, all right. Sam intros that by saying voluptuous. Right, that wasn't on when I said that. And no uh, one knows now what I, I look like a dumbass. About. Now I look like a dumbass. You don't look Thanks like fun. a dumbass, but people don't know that the two words, actually four words before that, were elephant trunk and marble sack. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Let me find my paper for part six. Okay. Uh, Friday 13th, part six, Jason lives... Eighty-six got a five point two on IMDb, uh, written and directed by Tom McLaughlin. Uh, let's see the I don't have a budget down, but it says it grossed at uh, nineteen point four. I think the budget was around three million. I was gonna say I guarantee it made more than it budgeted. Well, I think this is actually the first uh, Friday Thirteenth movie not to net twenty million mm. at least. But anyway. Um, Tom Matthews or Andre Karolinko yes. played Tommy Jarvis. Jennifer Cook played Megan Garris. David Kagan uh, played Sheriff Michael Garris. Carrie Noonan played Paula. Renee Jones played Sissy Baker. Tom Fridley played Court. C.J. Graham played uh, Jason. Uh, Darcy DeMoss played Nikki. Vince Gustafaro played Deputy Rick Colon. Tony Goldwyn played Darren. Uh, Nancy McLaughlin played Elizabeth, who, by the way, was Tom McLaughlin's wife. Hmm. And Ron Palillo, uh, maybe better known as uh, a guy from Welcome Back, Carter. <laughs> I can't even uh, remember his name. Uh, played Alan Haas. Uh, and Alan Blumenfield played Larry. Why do, Why is Larry so special that he gets an extra? Because he's in my six degrees. Oh, <laughs> all right, nice. Uh, Tommy returns to the grave to make sure Jason is dead and accidentally brings him back to life. Uh, now it's up to Tommy to stop Jason's mindless killing and put him back where he belongs. That's that was it. it. Well, that's it. Shocking. I mean, well, let's put it this way. Let, let's, uh, I mean, this this doesn't really add much. So here is a great debate starter that goes well into other podcasts. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're, we're not going to bring this up because. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we don't, we're not. We don't care if Jason is a zombie. We don't No, care. we do not. I don't. Care. I personally don't even ever want to hear that debate again. Oh, if you in were going to weigh in on it, I was going to waste you. Oh no, no. I thought you were going to say I personally don't believe, and then go into what you believe about. No, I, I said I personally believe. No, never want to hear. Okay. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, listen, apparently Sam and I are uh, in big disagreement about this one. I liked how this started. I hated how this went. Listen, in my opinion, and, and we'll get into the story a little bit more, but in my opinion, this movie, out of the three that we watched today, had the best atmosphere, had some sweet action visuals. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, had a an excellent soundtrack, and I'm talking score, and like all the Alice Cooper songs. And my favorite thing about this is that this one actually got laughs. Be, they intended to get laughs. This one was many places in the movie that they were actually making jokes, oh, yeah. self-referential, you know, to the slasher genre and Friday Thirteenth. But uh, you know, I I mean, I'm a sucker for a horror comedy, and I think that's what what this was. Right. The comedy definitely worked better in this than it did in number five. Uh-huh. But I just, I just, I didn't like that the whole premise was this Megan chick, uh, which I thought she was hot. But <laughs> I, I didn't like how she just, uh, she meets Tommy in the jail cell. And for whatever reason, everything he says after that makes her disagree everything with her dad. I just, I hated every second of that, that, that she decided at that point that Tommy was right about everything and that she didn't need to listen Well, before, before she even meets up with Tommy, we can tell that she is a rebellious daughter. I mean, she uh, comes in, she, she says things to intentionally irritate her father. I'm pretty sure they're sleeping together. I'm pretty sure. Whoa! The dad and the dog. Wow! No, I'm gonna tell. I'm pretty no. sure that's happening. Yeah. No. I think that they kind of wrote that out, but I'm pretty sure. No, I'm just kidding. Good one. <laughs> well, okay. So let's start it off. So, um, Tommy Karolinko. and and this uh, and his buddy take off to make sure that Jason is buried and dead because uh, it's not enough that nothing's happened in quite a while. It's, that's not enough to assure Tommy that this is going on, but they have to go and they have to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, that he's still dead. How much time do you think's passed between five and six? Well, I don't know, but are you going to bring up the big change that we see in, uh, Tommy? I just, he, he, the preface the, the way they leave it in number five is that he's going to kill that lady. He's got right. the mask on. He's stinking up with the knife. So, I, but then all of a sudden, he's roaming free and wanting to go get Jason. Well, so, and, I mean, and the thing is, is he's, whereas back in the, in number five, he was awkward and, you know, kind of antisocial and kind of got freaked out around people. Now he's, he's like this defensive guy seemed player like of the a, year. Yeah, he, he was like well-adjusted, uh, confident. You know, that is a hell of a place. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, traumatic experience can not only take you in, to mental <laughs> instability, but another one can take you out. Oh, cool! They, that that's all I can think. They of. should really do that for everybody that's <laughs> just like that <laughs> suffers from post-traumatic just stress freak syndrome. Freak the crap out yeah. of them, and then all of a sudden, just send it into them again. Just do it again. That's good. That'll be great. I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'm going to submit that. So anyway, they they show up. The, he uh, Tommy gra- he digs him up, opens up the coffin, grabs a big giant lightning rod metal thing. Start stabbing him, of course. But I mean, what's the likelihood he would have assumed that lightning would have uh, revived Jason? But the thing is, is that scene is great mm-hmm. visually. Yeah. It's great. The soundtrack at that part, it's it's, it's you know it's excellent. You know, he basically wakes up. Um, first of all, he doesn't have the mask. He, he punches through uh, 
Tommy Jarvis' friend with his heart in his hand. That was a pretty decent yeah. death. Um, finds his mask again, which uh, was just hanging around there in his coffin, and uh, he's off. The other thing here to, uh-huh. to, to point out along with that is that we're introduced to the characters, and there's less counselors. There's less people this time. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think they did a good well, job. they're not counselors. They're just... No, they're counselors for little kids. Oh, no, okay. No, I see. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. But there's less people that are involved here. But I liked what they did because you see that, you know, we talk about being timeless, that they're being sensitive to other types of people. So you have court who could be a gay guy <laughs> or he could be a ladies man. And you don't know until later. So they really titillate the, Do you know uh, that guy was in karate kid. He was, yeah, I don't, I can't, I can't no. figure out who, yeah, he was. He didn't have a big, but I, you know, I, I, as I watch this, I'm like, what is that guy? And so I finally looked it oh, up and he was in karate. I, I think he was a punching bag at the Cobra Kai <laughs> dojo. <laughs> I do remember seeing that. <laughs> he was Danielson's mom. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, okay, so let's not get uh, all right. Let's, let's talk about. I mean, let's, let's put it this way: if we were to detail everything out in this plot, it wouldn't take us that freaking long. Yeah. Basically, uh, so Tommy Jarvis doesn't mean to to uh, revive Jason, but he does, and uh, the rest of the movie is spent Jason going out killing everybody and then trying to stop it. Okay, that's all. But there's, <laughs> but there's a red herring on the part of part of the. Of the uh, actors, uh-huh. because they all think it's Tommy trying to prove his story. No, and except th- for Megan, who within two hours has decided that Tommy tells the truth in every aspect of his life. <gasps> you know what? In that, and that's true because uh, as we were as we were taught in part five, it's pretty simple to be a copycat killer of Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. You know, but the thing is, is I mean, if if we didn't see the first scene, what would we have thought? You know, in real life, sure. I mean, who cares? I don't even think that's a big deal. This show, th- this movie, also has a few excellent scenes in it that uh, really propelled this for me. Uh, I don't really feel like going into the to the story too deep. I mean, but this is your favorite one. No, I do. This is my favorite one out of all of them, too. One scene is is we have Court and, and uh, I think her name is Nikki, and uh, there's, they are in an RV. Uh, you know, a big giant one of those uh, RVs, and uh, they're in the back doing it. But uh, they are aerobosexing. <laughs> <laughs> they got some uh, awesome. Uh, by the way, I just made that up. I didn't even write that down. That was sweet, okay. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, they're there in the back, you know, doing it, and uh, so there. Some of the funniest lines were there. She, you know, she's like, "Oh my gosh, this is so great! Don't wait! Don't!" Power goes out. Uh, Corey has to go out and or Court has to go out and check you know check out what's going on. Uh, Jason gets into the to the RV and uh, some of the funniest things in the world happen. They freak out you know you're thinking that uh, the RV doesn't start you're thinking that's you know a cliche, but uh, you know all I have to do is flip a switch. Corey feel, or Court feels like a dumbass. They take off. Girl gets her face shoved through a through a mirror, <laughs> and then by the way I've never seen anybody who had so much damn fun. Driving an RV. Oh, this yeah. is great! Wow. Having a great time right. talking to himself. You know, listening to some Alice Cooper. But uh, the part that I'm talking about is when this really—I mean, that was a great death. The face through the through the side. But the visual when when basically he kills Court. Jason kills Court. The um, the RV, you know, flips, goes on its side, drags out. Jason goes out the top of it, 
And amidst the smoke and the fire of the RV, he kind of poses on top for a second. That was freaking bad. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was bad. And, you know, that's, that's a great part. Why, why are you making me not like not like this movie? I can't. Because <laughs> that, that, honestly, that thing with Megan took it out for me where his head is in her lap. And well, they're no. cruising down the road. And, and she's driving. And she's like, I like it there. Because for some reason, the cops have already said, hey, listen. There's somebody in there, and somebody else ducked down. But she wants him ducked down anyways, even though it's not going to do anything, so that he can, like, tap her, and he's looking over. Oh, I'll do whatever you say. He's looking at Levi's there in the crotch that definitely could have been a dude. Oh, really? I didn't notice. And then they you have the... said she was hot. They, she is hot. They have the audacity <laughs> that after his, his nose is going into her, into her <laughs> crevice there, like, several times... She's like, you better watch out because this turn's going to be hairy. I almost threw up. I almost <laughs> threw up, dude. dude. I, I thought, I seriously, I tasted hair in my mouth at that point. That, that's pretty gross. And it's gross. Listen, you know, I'm, I don't want to go too much into detail about it. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm wearing down, I think, a little bit here. But this one had a, awesome comedy. I, and when I say awesome, it, there were some really funny parts. Like when Court was trying to uh, explain, you know, boy scouting to these kids. Oh, yeah. He's like, okay, so, you know, this, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, there's no freaking way this guy knows what he's talking about. And the kids were like, you know, they didn't fool him. You know, when uh, the two main counselors were driving up there and uh, they, they run into Jason, uh, you know, out in the middle of the road and uh, they're... That scene was great, the, the, the back and forth between those two and then the guy getting out and trying to act all tough and then getting destroyed and you know, that that was a great scene. That was really funny. I still I mean I still stick with it. It was it was my it was this is my favorite one in the series. Uh this was the one before Kane Hodder started though. Uh-huh. And so you know, it was still I would I would have to say that Kane Hodder is still my favorite uh Jason. But this one is my favorite movie. Cool man. It's good you can stick with it. There were there were no mammaries in this. <laughs> Zero. Well, they made up for it with four and five. Yeah. And then uh, what did I learn? There there was a shameless Amex plug, American Express plug, when her card goes floating. Do you want down. me to explain that? They, I, I talked about home exactly. It. Well, yeah. that that was supposed to be a funny thing. It is pretty funny because well, back in the day, apparently, I mean, I remember that ad campaign, but uh, you know, everybody's yeah. supposed to say that and. You know, they thought it'd be pretty funny, and apparently it worked for them. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, cops can be folding chairs. That was the other. That was the other thing. <laughs> Do you I know learned. one thing I learned? What that um, even if you have a giant laser scope, <laughs> apparently you still need to use it if you, the the gun is two feet away from <laughs> the person who's you're pointing it at. Head. And it's he's like he's been trying to he's been trying to uh, he's been dying to use his new laser scope but he's two feet away the from laser me. scope's bigger than the gun yes stupid that was awesome uh who else said that if i had you where i wanted you they'd be pumping your ass full of formaldehyde that was elton john to eminem <laughs> I, I i don't know i did, i was delirious what, do they not like there. each other no they don't like each other they don't <clears throat> no <laughs> eminem used some racial slurs for that Anyways, okay. Six Degrees, Alan Blumenfield, who played Larry, was in War Games with Matthew Broderick, who was in Cable Guy with Jim Carrey, who's in The Majestic with Bruce Campbell. That was great. I went easy today on yeah, Six cares? Degrees. You know, the thing I'm is... I'm not to prove myself anymore. I, I don't know. It's getting late. I do have to say that 
I do. I give this a buy. It still doesn't get a bone saw. But uh, even though the thing is, is I would rather watch this than number one, which I think I gave a bone saw. But um, I, I, the reason I gave that a bone saw is because its history is entrenched in, you know, horror film halls of fame and whatever. This one I, I would watch over and over. But this is a brainless romp. I mean, this isn't. I mean, I'm not saying number one so deep or whatever, but this this one's just fun to watch. Yeah, I give this a red box again, and um, kind of like you though. I mean, if you were to take the movies individually, would I rather watch number six pro- than number one? Probably, yeah. you're probably right. But like you said, no, watch number one. It was it's it's something new. Or you know what it is? It's our attention span. Yeah, it's our right. attention span. Gosh dang! If only it was on my iPhone or something. Because we are not. We, we we're doing stuff while we watch this. You know, <laughs> you could leave, come back twenty minutes later, and not miss anything as far as except for a memory count. That's why I can't ever stop watching. Well, <laughs> I have to. My eyes have to be watching the whole time, <laughs> just in case. just in case they flash like Lana. If I would have missed Lana or whatever her name is, Showtime. Oh. I, I mean, oh, if yeah. I would have blinked, dude, and oh, those yeah. were pretty solid. But they, they were solid. But uh, anyway, well, yeah, we man. already talked about that. Anyway, that's it. I guess we're wrapping it up. I feel like uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I feel like we went a little light. Not not too much substance there. I, I, but I think it's a reflection of the movies that we, re- I that we reviewed. I think we did them justice, though. Yeah, agreed. Um, do I have to do a death scene? I sent off all the death scene prizes. Nice. All the prizes are out, and I even sent one. To uh, the grand old UK to Zombie Girl, and forgetting the Handsome Man contest. Oh, nice! Yeah, but uh, and then I also sent my the last one out. We got to start thinking of some good uh, uh, contests because here's the deal: I didn't get rid of the death scene just because I was tired of sending stuff out. Well, I mean that that's kind of I was tired of sending stuff out every week. Right. Wouldn't it be cool to get some bigger contests yeah. and maybe some bigger prizes yeah. going? Absolutely. I think so. Go ahead and um, contact us. Uh, you can visit cadaverlab.com. We've got a, a email form there. Or you can email us at mike at cadaverlab.com at sam at cadaverlab.com. Uh, voicemail is 206-339-2730. 206-339-2730. Um, if you get a minute, go and vote for us on Podcast Alley. Um, or give us a review on iTunes, unless it's going to be a bad review, in which case you don't have to give us a review at all. <laughs> All right, you got anything else to add? I don't think so. That was fun. What do we do? We know what we're doing next. No, week? I, I don't know what we're doing. Anyway, from the Cadaver Lab podcast, we will see you later. later.